Derek, this is not the beach. This is not the pool. This is not the toy hauler. This is Beach Walk, St. John, Florida. We got a special guest. Derek and I did a field trip for episode 20 today. So, Derek, we got to talk about motocross was far, far out west, and Derek and Trey are in the far northeast of Florida. Because we have a special guest today, local up-and-coming motocross supercross racer. Derek, welcome to the conference room. It's a pleasure being here. Welcome, Ryland Munson, um, professional supercross, pro motocross rider. Um, tell us about Ryland Munson. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, not really much to say. I just love <laughs> racing my dirt bike, honestly. I... Uh, I moved down here from Colorado uh, a couple years ago solely for racing. So uh, in that time, I've made a to Loretta's, uh, got my pro supercross license, my pro motocross license. So really achieving my, my goals heavily now. I just want to, you know, keep getting better results and keep getting better. Where, where in Colorado? I'm from Black Forest, Colorado. Okay. So right outside of Colorado Springs. How close is that to uh, the... The Eli Tomac compound. Cortez. Uh, it's it's pretty far from Cortez. Okay. Uh, he's more towards New Mexico, and I'm more central. Okay. Um, I'm right at the base of Pikes Peak. So. Oh, you ever you ever gone up Pikes Peak? Yeah, one time with my dad. Okay. I lived there for 18 years and only went up there once. Really? But yeah. <laughs> Very good. And I, I got another question. How did you go about getting your Supercross license? What was the task for you? Because that has shifted and changed over the years. Yeah, I actually got really lucky. Um, I'm so glad I did it the year that I did it because now it seems like uh, chaos. I literally like don't even try to know how to do it because it's so confusing. But I, uh, let's see, I did it not, or I did it last year? Yeah. So I got my license last year and I did, um, you had to go to, I guess you could consider them area qualifiers. So yeah. I went to Texas and that qualified me for Dallas Supercross. And then I went to, um, oh, I went to WW Ranch. Okay. And that qualified me for Atlanta. And then um, the turnout wasn't too good the year that I did it. So they were kind of taking dudes in, like even if you weren't in the region. So unfortunately I had a bike issue and I couldn't go to Dallas. So I missed that one. And so I went to, um, Atlanta got two points there, so I needed two more. So I made the trip up to Foxborough. They mm -hmm. let me race that one. It's because I couldn't do Dallas. They just transferred the mm -hmm. yeah. sign up. So after that, I had qualified in Foxborough. And so I made the trip all the way from Florida to Salt Lake to do the finals. Um, and so that was amazing and had all my points and got my license. So awesome. It's, it's, it's a heck of a journey now. And I'm not sure how they're, you know, like you said, you're glad you did it when you did, but. Um, it is crazy. I've heard some interesting stories through the amateur stuff about guys who are for Supercross are running on motocross tracks and it's like, wait a second, we're trying to get them ready for Supercross and they're running on motocross tracks. It's almost, let's just go back to the arena cross days and let them go at it. And yeah. I, I don't think anything's the same except this Futures program now where they're actually running on the Supercross track. Yeah. Well, let's, let's back it up a few steps and where did where did this all derive from? Like as a kid, yeah. bring us bring us from your childhood up. Yeah, uh, 
So I'm the youngest of my brother and sister uh, by a lot. My brother's nine years older than me, and then my sister's eight. So when I was born, they raced. Um, my brother, dad, and sister all raced. So I was just kind of like born at the track, yeah, yeah. you know, always at the track racing. Um, I didn't race. I haven't raced my whole life. Like there was, I, I shouldn't say that because there was a span of time I played football mm -hmm. um, just as, you know, a typical kid. And uh, then I still raced while playing football and stuff. And um, then after that, I, I, uh, I got hurt racing. I broke my leg and in that time I knew this was kind of like what I wanted to do. So I got homeschooled. Um, I got homeschooled while I was hurt and I actually did all four years of high school in like three months. So I graduated. No I've been graduated since I was like 15 years old. That's awesome. Wait, you did four years of school in three months? Yeah. I, I got, I was like, you know, I can sit here and watch Netflix or I can do my school and then when I'm not hurt, I can put all my effort into riding. So that's what I did. And uh, it was a self-paced program. So I just like went as fast I'm as mad. I did. I didn't think about that. Yeah. That's what a, I spent years and years in school for no reason. So you finished your doctorate <laughs> degree in uh, <laughs> on your free time when yeah. you're not training? Yeah, I did do uh, I did do a little bit of college. Um, I'm pretty interested in like nutrition and stuff like that. So okay. I, I got into into that a little bit um, before I had moved down here. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess kind of going back, I, I went to public school all the way through eighth grade and then got homeschooled that when I got hurt, like I was mm -hmm. saying. And uh, after that, I just really, we just started racing, racing a lot. And uh, I never really got to go to many big amateur nationals. I just wasn't really fast enough. I never could qualify. I was just never really good enough. But I kind of started showing some speed and then I got, I got the opportunity. Um, I actually just got a text one day to... Uh, come down here to Florida. So I bought my own plane ticket, bought my own, um, rented my own car, cost me like 80 extra dollars a day because I was like 16 or 17 years old. <laughs> I'm surprised they actually let you. Yeah, you usually you're 25. Yeah. yeah. You're not getting one. Yeah. So I was able to just That's cost awesome. me a fortune. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, I flew down here, literally landed the next day, went and rode met the guy that I was going to move down here with and then the next day flew back out so it was like in and out type thing. Uh, I was working for my dad at this point and then I, moved, I flew home and I, I told him what I wanted to do and uh, packed up my stuff and never knew that I was never going back but moved down here and it worked out good and I've just been down here ever since. So, so how many years has that been so far? So I moved, oh, COVID just throws me off. Yeah. I moved... Uh, at the end of 2020. Okay. So it's been like three years. Okay. Yeah. Coming up on three years. Yeah. We, we moved mid 2020, so we're about the same. Yeah. Same time frame, and it was it was a miserable move during all that. Yeah. Chaos. Like we were right in the thick of it when we moved, and it was miserable. Yeah. So mine was easy. Like it, Colorado was kind of terrible, and yeah. uh, Florida was awesome. That's so. That's how it was for us. PA was. Like, I mean, I gotta watch what I say, but you know, it was, it was not pretty. Yeah. And then we get down here and it's like a breath of fresh air again. Yeah. Yeah. It, it honestly was, um, it was the best thing I've ever done in, uh, in a lot more senses than just racing. I mean, yeah. that was the whole reason I moved down here, but just in life in general, I feel like I was able to grow as a person being yeah. on my own at 18 years old. Yeah. 
I agree. Just been I've been on my own since then, so it's just been awesome. So you you've you traveled down here. Were you living in a van? Were you living at the track? How how did that start? What, like now you've got a nice place you're living in, and you know. Yeah. And, and so you, you've changed the way you live now. Right. Um, I'm guessing you get to use the wonderful gym that's here. Yeah. So you don't have to pay for a gym membership. You've got that going for you. You're in your own nutrition. So when you first got down here. Were you roughing it, or did you have a place already set up? No, and uh, before we I even go into that, I definitely got to say, like, when I say I've been living on my own, I got to give it all to my dad and my brother because, like, without them, like, you know, yeah. they've supported me financially just so much with the family business back home. So, just wanted to reiterate that. There is nothing but, wrong with that. It takes it takes that to do this. Absolutely, yeah. But I, yeah, I think. Uh, before I go into that, a lot of people just think like, you know, I don't know, they just think that I can't, you know, people in our sport are just money, money grab, money grab, but it takes help to, it to takes, do it. It takes a team to do what we do. Yeah. I mean, it, there's no sole, sole proprietor in any, any part of this. Right. It's, it's impossible that way. Yeah. Um, and you do see like a lot of the privateers that are living out of their vans, living yeah. in tents. I mean, there's still support there somewhere. It, yeah. But it shows the passion for the sport as well. Right. But yeah, so to get back and answer your question, no, I, I've i never really had to rough it, and I'm very, very grateful for that. I had a, I got super, super lucky, and I'm very grateful for the guy that I moved down here with. Beautiful home, pool, track at the house, barn, everything. Um, it was actually supposed to be a training facility, and got shut down. So um, had a full-blown super cross track, but was able had to tear it all down. Um, don't really want to go in. Yeah, don't want to go into it too much because I'm not sure what like I'm allowed to share. Yeah. But uh, was a sick turn track, super sick, and he he put a lot into it for me. Um, it was supposed to be a training facility, like I said, but then I ended up being the sole guy there. I was the only one. It was just me and him. So that was the bachelor pad, and uh, yeah, just trained and rode and road and road and that was it but uh no and then I went from there he ended up going through some stuff and had to sell the place and I got really lucky thankfully my girlfriend let me move in with her and uh yeah I mean just we've uh, I've just been very lucky we've been able to afford and I've had the help to afford um you know a nice place everywhere um always had a gym to work out at uh always just like I save my money and spend my money to make sure I have a nice hotel when I go to a race or yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'll wear the same clothes so that I can afford a hotel. Like I won't buy shorts so I can get a hotel or something, yeah. you know, just that kind of stuff's important to me. It so. makes sense. It makes sense. And let's talk about, we've, we've kind of gone through the chronological life of getting here. What does racing now look like for you? What, what are you currently racing, the, the different events you're doing? and I also want to get into the training side of not your secret sauce, but what does a day in the life of a motocross, supercross racer look like? Yeah, so the racing that I'm doing, um, I did uh, I did almost all the East Coast Supercross this year. Um, I think I missed Dallas and I missed uh, New Jersey. I was a little bit off the pace, so those were two that were the triple crown, or East-West shootout and triple crown, yeah, and they yeah. were just going to be kind of tough to get in for me. So uh, that's what I did then there. And then as soon as Salt Lake was over, I actually stayed in Colorado for that whole time, getting myself back used to the altitude. 
um, for Colorado, the national. Uh, so I did that, and then um, was it was it was all right. And then I had planned on kind of doing um, Bud's Creek and Unadillo later this this year. I got really sick after Colorado, so that kind of hosed me. I was down for a while. Um, not too sure what happened. I was driving home, roughing it kind of like you're talking a little bit that time, sleeping in my van. And it hit me. I was coming out of both ends, so I had to <laughs> like it was like eleven o'clock. There was some church group in the town I was in, so there were no hotel rooms. I had to find something. Just it was miserable. So I took took like a month off over the summer. Um, went to sign up for Bud's Creek and Unadilla, and they're full. So I'm not doing either of those. Uh, so I kind of just decided that I'm shifting towards just getting ready for 2024 Supercross now. And I'm just racing whatever I can find. I'm going to do money races. I'm a racer. I love yeah. racing. I don't care if it's a fair race. I, if I can get a gate drop with fast dudes, like I'm not, I'm not too good for that. So. Well, you have a girlfriend. Yeah. And you're not afraid to travel, apparently. Yeah. So some of these fair races up in the Midwest, out there, there are long drives, but kind of get a vacation mixed in on the way up and. Yeah. So. I, I, I agree with you, but uh, she's got to work. Oh, oh. So, yeah, she's got a full-time job. Um, so And, you know, she, she's got her own life she's building, so it doesn't really work for her to take all the time off in the world for a reason. She, she prioritizes Supercross. She loves that. But I totally get not one to take a week off for, for a couple fair races. Yeah, you know? well, it sounds like a Ryland Munson summer shindig on your own and take some fly fishing rods and yeah. pop you good. Yeah. Hey, I've, I've thought about it and uh, I've thought about, um, I mean, Colorado's not too far from Missouri where all these are at. And I, I've got one of my best friends lives in Missouri. Um, so I've, I've thought about going and doing these racing, you know, line up like there's some fast guys, Michael Hicks and those guys are out there. So I've thought about it, good money and stuff. And uh, yeah, there's, a, like I was saying, so racing wise, there's, um, I kind of look for the pro ams because mm-hmm. they, they have um, they have to pay a, a certain amount no matter how many dudes show up. So if I was the only dude, you know, you make all that money. Um, Chili Town in, up in Ohio, they've got one coming up in September that um, I'm going to go to. They just had one recently, but I wasn't able to go to that one. But yeah, so I'm just kind of searching for the the purse races. That's kind of what all the privateers do. Yeah. They just search for the purse races and the money races and. Is do there, the local stuff. And, is there a network for that? Because that's something I'm completely naive on. I follow I follow every form of racing there is. And I understand like amateur car racing, there's a book and there's a schedule and you can go race in different regions. How does it work for a pro motocross guy on the summer that may not be going to nationals? Is there a list of races? Well, if there is, somebody's got to let me know <laughs> because I spend hours just on my phone looking on Facebook for the tracks and looking on the internet just anywhere I can find just tracks and what's listed because there is um, on the AMA's website a pro-am schedule mm-hmm. so you can find all the pro-am and they're all listed in order there's really not a whole lot of them and they're all spread out mm-hmm. um, so yeah but I mean you can just you can find like you can look up North Carolina motocross series Louisiana Alabama just I just go through all the different series and try to find like Oh, they're doing 200% payback, uh, six hours. Like, I'll make the trip, you know, if it's like 100% payback, not really worth it because yeah. you're the only dude, you're not yeah. going to make any money. So it's kind of like, I don't like it a whole lot that I have to base 
it off of the money, you know, because I just love racing so much. It's still your job, though. But right? yeah, I have to, you know, I have to yeah. pay my bills and live, and that's just how life is. So, yeah. And why do the privateers keep these so private? Because I was listening to a podcast the other day, and, and the guy was interviewing a privateer, and he was talking about the fair races. He's like, oh, yeah, I hit those. Well, where, where are you going? He goes, I can't tell you that. And he's like, they won't say it. He's not the only one I've ever heard that won't kind of spill the beans. Is where, it, where they are. Is it just like more of the, oh, I don't want a whole bunch of competition, I want to win it? I guess so. I think that's going to be a confidence thing. I don't think that that guy's going to be very not confident in himself. Yeah, he's not He's not going to be confident, and I don't want to call him out. I don't know who it is. I but can't remember the name either. I, I, yeah, I mean, you can't beat the best, or you can't beat the best until you yeah. beat the best, so yeah. I mean, why? But one thing I will say is being a privateer is it's hard. Uh, when you're lining up on the gate, and you have to make that money. Yeah. Like it's not really an option. If you don't, well, you gotta go find a side job to yeah. pay your bills. I mean, it it's a bummer sometimes, you know, if you fall or, that's why you kind of like, if guys don't show up, it's kind of a relief because you know you're getting paid, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's so we, just we actually talked a lot about this on the podcast. Like I told you before, we, we focus a lot on the business side of it. So for you, this is a job, this isn't, you love to race. We all love to race. Like I love to race. Trey loves to race. A different style of racing. My kids love to race. But in your aspect of it, it is a job. Like you have got to make that money. And we talk about the privateer life a lot on here because we're so intrigued by the business side of it that we're most people don't get to see the aspect of what happens if you do fall. What happens if you break a leg yep. at Daytona Supercross? Then what? You know. Yeah. So you know, give us shed a little light on that. Like what it's like to live the life of racing as a job and not like from a fan from a fan's eyeballs you know it's it's great yeah it's it's, it's all racing you know these guys are all millionaires yeah. you know it's not that's not the case yeah. and you know that we know that but shed a little light on what it's like to do to be a racer for a living yeah well i would say like what maybe six dudes are millionaires exactly. racing and, I, and people don't know that yeah i mean time master pools probably making you know decent money i would imagine from sponsors and stuff but from pro motocross i mean he's making hardly exactly. anything really to pay pay to go but uh hey what's the cali contingency right now for being the top cali in a, on a weekend i mean i know anderson beat him this weekend but there's been times when he's been the top Cowie. Yeah. He's yeah. not getting anything from Cowie except contingency. Right. But that's got to at least pay something, right? Yeah. So Cowie contingency, and that's actually a big reason why there are so many Cowies out there is they have the best contingency program, really. Um, I believe, ah, no, I don't think they're the only ones, but they pay the best just to make it in. Mm-hmm. Like if you just top 40, like you're getting paid contingency money. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just... It like I can sit here and tell say the numbers and somebody listen and can think oh that's a decent amount of money for a day of racing, but I mean it's not a day of racing. You gotta travel. You gotta yeah. all, there's just so much. Look at everything that goes into it. It's it's yeah. not, we say this all the time. Yeah, yeah sure you you can make so and so per race, but let's let's subtract the fuel. Let's subtract the hotel. Let's subtract the bike, the maintenance, because that bike's not going there prepared without putting some kind of money into it it's 
It's so I, like I don't know how to wrap anybody's head around it. I mean, you're you're going to be the best insight to how you juggle all that and put those numbers into play. Yeah. So that's I guess yeah to get back and answer your question. Uh, a simple answer is um, it's just it's full time nonstop. You know you got to do things kind of. I don't want to say as cheap as you can, but I mean, you can't just do three one hour motos a day like the factory dudes can because we don't have unlimited supply chains and sprockets. All of that stuff just adds up and costs money. And I've learned that a lot because I went to a race uh, and I made, I think it was the first time I had ever made this much and it was like 860 bucks or something. And I was pumped, super mm -hmm. pumped. My dad was pumped, we were all pumped, and then, you know, I'm driving home and talking to my dad on the phone, he wasn't able to make it to that one, and I, he was just like, you know, I'm proud of you, and that's a really good amount, but, like, t you know, with everything that he helped pay for, for me to do that, mm -hmm. I, I made a good amount that weekend. Had I had to pay for that all myself, I was in the hole, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? So it just, like, right back to the beginning, it takes an army, it takes help, it takes, you know, a team, um, and I don't know, it just, it's like, it's just full time, you know, by the time you, you ride and everything, it's uh, training and um, eating, you know, sleeping, it's just everything comes into it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just budgeting is, is huge for me. You just got to really watch what you buy. Uh, clothes are the least of my priorities as long yep. as I have something to put on in the morning. That's all I really care about. Um, you got to get those sponsor shirts so that you can just wear those every day. Yeah, so I got to, I'm super grateful for the sponsors that I do have because like the feed helps me out a ton. I've got a lot of people that really help me out with stuff. Um, still working on the clothing one. Uh, and I'm not the you know, I'm the type of guy that just wants to like take a sponsor like, oh, if I can get it, I'm going to take it. Like I want to be genuine to what I actually use and enjoy and like. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just uh it's just a lot being a privateer so, for sure. So take us through some of the, so you, the, you're a privateer. Are you driving to the races or are you flying to the races? Driving. You're driving. So you, you're taking your own, do you take a mechanic or are you, are you your own mechanic? My own mechanic. Okay. So now. Well, at, at most of them. Sometimes okay. I'm able to have a friend, friend come in or my brother, brothers help me out. My dad's came to a few. So I do have some people, but for the most part. I'm just my own. It's just me and my girlfriend at the Supercrosses, and that's about it. And you're driving all of them? Yep. Okay. So we got that covered. Food. You're on the road. It's tough. It's expensive to eat out. Um, and I, looking at you, apparently your diet is important. <laughs> my diet's important to me too, but in a different aspect. So um, that gets expensive. Do you take your own food, make your own food, or do you go out to eat? I don't go out to eat. Never. Never. I take all my own food. I don't eat out ever on the road. I'll prep my own food before, and then um, I'll get a hotel. Like, I'll save up so I can afford the hotels with the kitchen so I can make my own food there. Um, I try to find, like, the, you know, Publix. I love Publix. Uh, or just any grocery store, you know, when, when you're up in the north, just, like, find a Walmart or something, and I, I buy my stuff there because can't afford to eat out all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's super expensive nowadays to go eat out. Yeah. Me and my girlfriend, you know, we, we went to lunch the other day and it's like 40 bucks. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, 
man, that's like, that's like a two days worth of food. You know, like I can go to a store and for, spend 40 bucks and that can last me two days or so for one meal. Yeah. That's a lot of money. So yeah, that, that's what that looks like. So. so you were talking about how your dad helped you with the expenses and that money you made was a good chunk of change. For a privateer racer, is there a thought process of if I can have this part of my program covered, yes, I can start making some money. Because like you made that $860 and if someone's covering the entry fees, cool, I don't have to pay for that. If someone's covering the fuel, I don't have to pay for that. If some, Is that what you're looking for when you're trying to work on sponsorships or are you just like, I'll take whatever I can get at this point? How, how are you structuring that program? Yeah, it, it's, you know, at first you're kind of looking for, um, for parts of your program to be covered, but then it kind of gets to a point where you're just kind of looking for help financially, money, and then you can do what you need to do. Some people are only willing to cover that stuff so they know where the money's going, um, and they know you're not just blowing it. But realistically, you know, I, I do have like, you know, you have real life other bills like that have nothing to do with racing that have to be covered as well. So if, if, if you're racing for free, everything's covered, parts, gas, everything's covered, and then you don't make money, you still have to have a job yeah. to pay your rent yeah. and your van. And it just, it's never ending. And that's one thing that I've learned and is that it's never ending. And then the more help you get, it's like you still, it just still feels like things just pop up here and there and everything pops up. And, uh, you know, I'm not complaining. And one thing I've learned massively is that no matter what, like, if you just keep your head down and you keep working, things work out. Like, it just always works out. And, uh, you know, you just be a good person, work hard and comes around, you know. If you get in a bind, I mean, I'm super grateful that I, I have my dad to help if, if I were to get into a real bad bind, but pretty um, pumped that I, I haven't got to that point yet, so. That's awesome. And it's, it's great to hear this side of it because, like I said, nobody, nobody gets to hear it. Um, even in the, the amateur racing like side for our part, like my kid's five years old, you trained them a little bit yeah. while we were at um, PAX. And it's kind of like the same thing like we're not at that level yet and he wants to be so that's what we work towards but like when we when we look for sponsors and we have some sponsors but we we strive to look for people like i've turned a lot of sponsorships down and we only work with people that like i can back their products or i can say that i'm willing to promote them um is it like that for you too will you only work with people that that you could actually back their company or do you just take what you can get right now? No, yeah, I do because I'm like, or I do um, only work with people that I can back their company because I really don't, I don't need a bunch of free product Correct. like from random companies and stuff like, like I'll only take sponsors that I can back in like, um, like I had a sock company sponsor me and like, I'm not joking when I post about how amazing they were, you know what I mean? Like I'm not just doing that for exactly. the money they paid me. Like they were amazing and I wear them every time I go on a road bike ride. They're the only socks I wear on a road bike ride. Just things like that, you know? Um, 
it's like, uh, I don't know, sponsors are, sponsors are really tough because you have to make it worth their while. Yep. Um, yeah, you, you are a marketing, I mean, you're an advertiser for them. That's, that's all you are. Yep. So it might seem like a relationship, and it, it, it can't turn into a relationship, but it's, you, you are advertising dollars to them. That's yep. all you are. Yep. And, it, it does, and it's hard to find good sponsorships to begin with. But ones that you can back on top of that makes it that much more difficult. Yeah. So it's, that's that's what we run into. But that's coming in like from your your aspect of it and being a professional level, I can't imagine like how hard it is. Cause we we know how hard it is. Mm-hmm. We only have like you know four or five sponsors, and two of those including being my own businesses. So it's very difficult. But that's why I wanted to hear like from you how difficult it is and like it, do you follow those same guidelines that we follow in a way yeah um, when it comes to that aspect of it well this sport this sport is so like result oriented yeah. uh, shoot I I have never like I don't even get free goggles and um, I feel like and I, I mean, I, I don't want to be the type of guy to sit here saying, oh, yeah, I'm racing pro, but give me free stuff. That's not what I'm saying at all. But at the pro level, like, they just, it's just made to be so hard if you're not it in is. the top, like, 10. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, like, I made, a, I made the night show in Salt Lake. And finally, like, right after that, I got a bunch of free stuff going into the night show that I needed for that night show. And it was the biggest relief off my shoulders yeah. ever. And I still use the same stuff I got from that day now. Because yeah. it's like, to pay 75 bucks for a pair of goggles, I know, I, I know 65 kids that have the same deal I have for <laughs> goggles. I'm like, yeah. and I'm racing, you know, pro supercross. It, it makes no sense to me. Like, I feel like there's no, like they just, they kind of help out if you're Jet Lawrence, you're going to get it. If you're not, you're not. It's yeah. just kind of like... Just and that drives me crazy. Yeah. It, even at like our level and your level, or obviously you're like the top 1% in the world, okay? Uh, if you if you race professional supercross, you're at a level that... If you can imagine all the riders that actually ride, it just in this country alone is... It's an astonishing number. And then only 40 of you guys make it into a supercross night show. And... Most people don't realize that, and they all think, you know, you get the free gear, you get free rides, your bike's free, your parts are free, none of that's free, Yeah. by any means, you're paying for all of that, and at an amateur level, like, there, there's no sponsorship whatsoever, like, it's about the same aspect, we'll get 30% off of goggles, or we'll get 25% off jerseys, or, you know, gear sets, or... You guys are living the same struggle, but you're doing it at a much, much higher level where everything's much more expensive. Yeah. It's, I don't know why the sport is so hard, like, in that aspect of it. And it, it sucks for me to hear that you go through the same struggles that we go through at that level. Yeah. You know, that's why we want to have you here to talk about what it's like. Yeah. Because it's, it sucks to hear that we're, we're all in the same boat. Listening to a podcast the other day, and, and the guy was interviewing a privateer, and he was talking about the fair races. He's like, oh, yeah, I hit those. Well, where, where are you going? He goes, I can't tell you that. And he's like, they won't say it. He's not the only one I've ever heard that won't kind of spill the beans is where, it, where they are. Is it just like more of the, oh, well, I don't want a whole bunch of competition. I want to win it. I guess so. I think that's going to be a confidence thing. I don't think that that guy is going to be very confident in himself. Yeah, he's not, he's not 
going to be confident, and I don't want to call him out. I don't know who it is. I but can't remember the name either. I, I, yeah, I mean, you can't beat the best, or you can't be the best until you yeah. beat the best. So yeah. I mean, why? But one thing I will say is, being a privateer, is it's hard uh, when you're lining up on the gate and you have to make that money. Yeah. Like it's not really an option if you don't. Well, you got to go find a side job to yeah. pay your bills. I mean, it it's a bummer sometimes. You know, if you fall or. That's why you kind of like, if guys don't show up, it's kind of a relief because you know you're getting paid, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's so we, just we actually tough. talk a lot about this on the podcast. Like I told you before, we, we focus a lot on the business side of it. So for you, this is a job. This isn't, you love to race. We all love to race. Like I love to race. Trey loves to race, a different style of racing. My kids love to race, but in your aspect of it, it is a job. Like you have got to make that money. And we talk about the privateer life a lot on here because we're so intrigued by the business side of it that we're, most people don't get to see the aspect of what happens if you do fall. What happens if you break a leg yep. at Daytona Supercross? That way, you know? Yeah. So, you know, give us, shed a little light on that. Like, what it's like to live the life of racing as a job and not, like, from a fan, from a fan's eyeballs, you know, it's, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's it's all racing. You know, these guys are all millionaires. Yeah. You know, it's not that's not the case. Yeah. And you know that, we know that, but shed a little light on what it's like to do to be a racer for a living. Yeah, well I would say like what, maybe six dudes are millionaires exactly. racing. And I mean, and people don't know that. Yeah. I mean time master pools probably making, you know, decent money, I would imagine, from sponsors and stuff, but from pro motocross, I mean, he's making hardly anything, really, to pay pay to go, but, uh... Hey, what's the Cowie contingency right now for being the top Cowie in a, on a weekend? I mean, I know Anderson beat him this weekend, but there's been times when he's been the top Cowie. Yeah. He's not getting anything from Cowie except contingency. Right. But that's got to at least pay something, right? Yeah, so Cowie contingency, and that's actually... A big reason why there are so many cowies out there is they have the best contingency program, really. Um, I believe, no, I don't think they're the only ones, but they pay the best just to make it in. Mm-hmm. Like if you just top 40, like you're getting paid contingency money. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like I can sit here and tell, say the numbers and somebody listen and can think, oh, that's a decent amount of money for a day of racing. But I mean, it's not a day of racing. You gotta travel. You got yeah. There's just so much. Look at everything that goes into it. It's it's. Yeah. Uh, we say this all the time. Yeah, yeah sure. You you can make so and so per race, but let's let's subtract the fuel. Let's subtract the hotel. Let's subtract the bike, the maintenance, because that bike's not going there prepared without putting some kind of money into it. It's. It's so I, like I don't know how to wrap anybody's head around it. I mean, you're you're going to be the best insight to how you juggle all that and put those numbers into play. Yeah. So that's I guess yeah. To get back and answer your question, uh, a simple answer is um, it's just it's full time, nonstop. You know, you got to do things kind of. I don't want to say as cheap as you can, but I mean, you can't just do three one hour motos a day like the factory dudes can because we don't have unlimited supply of chains and sprockets. All of that stuff just adds up and costs money. And I've learned that a lot because I went to a race, uh, 
and I made, I think it was the first time I had ever made this much and it was like 860 bucks or something. And I was pumped, super pumped. My dad was pumped, we were all pumped. And then, you know, I'm driving home and talking to my dad on the phone, he wasn't able to make it to that one. And I, he was just like, you know, I'm proud of you and that's a really good amount. But like, you know, with everything that he helped pay for, for me to do that, I, I made a good amount that weekend. Had I had to pay for that all myself, I was in the hole. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it just like, right back to the beginning, it takes an army, it takes help, it takes, you know, a team. Um, and I don't know, it just, it's like, it's just full time, you know, by the time you, you ride and everything, it's uh, training and um, eating, you know, sleeping, it's just everything comes into it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just budgeting is, is huge for me. You just got to really watch what you buy. Uh, clothes are the least of my priorities as long yep. as I have something to put on in the morning. That's all I really care about. Um, you got to get those sponsor shirts so that you can just wear those every day. Yeah, so I got to, I'm super grateful for the sponsors that I do have because like the feed helps me out a ton. I've got a lot of people that really help me out with stuff. Uh, still working on the clothing one. Uh, and I'm not the you know I'm not the type of guy that just wants to like take a sponsor like oh if I can get it I'm gonna take it like I want to be genuine to what I actually use and enjoy and like so um, but yeah I mean it's just uh, it's just a lot being a privateer so, for sure so take us through some of the so you the you're a privateer are you driving to the races or are you flying to the races driving you're driving so you you're taking your own do you take a mechanic or are you are you your own mechanic my own mechanic. Okay. So now, well, at, at most of them, sometimes okay. I'm able to have a friend, friend come in or my brother, brothers helped me out. My dad's came to a few. So I do have some people, but for the most part, um, I'm just my own. It's just me and my girlfriend at the Supercrosses, and that's about it. And you're driving all of them. Yep. Okay. So we got that covered. Food. You're on the road. It's tough. It's expensive to eat out. Um, and I'm looking at you, apparently your diet is important for you. <laughs> My diet's important to me too, but in a different aspect. So, um, that gets expensive. Do you take your own food make your own food or do you go out to eat? I don't go out to eat. Never? Never. I take all my own food. I don't eat out ever on the road. I'll prep my own food before and then, um, I'll get a hotel, like I'll save up so I can afford the hotels with the kitchen so I can make my own food there. Um, I try to find like, the, you know, a Publix, I love Publix, uh, or just any grocery store, you know, when, when you're up in the north, just like find a Walmart or something and I, I buy my stuff there because I can't afford to eat out all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's super expensive nowadays to go eat out. Yeah. Me and my girlfriend, you know, we, we went to lunch the other day and it's like 40 bucks yeah. and I'm yeah. like, man, that's like, that's like a two days worth of food. You know, like I can go to the store and for, spend 40 bucks and that can last me two days or so for one meal. Yeah. That's a lot of money. So yeah, that, that's what that looks like. So. so you were talking about how your dad helped you with the expenses and that money you made was a good chunk of change. For a privateer racer, is there a thought process of if I can have this part of my program covered, yes, I can start making some money. Because like you made that $860 and if someone's covering the entry fees, cool, I don't have to pay for that. If someone's covering the fuel, I don't have to pay for that. If some, 
is that what you're looking for when you're trying to work on sponsorships? Or are you just like, I'll take whatever I can get at this point? How, how are you structuring that program? Yeah, it, it's, you know, at first you're kind of looking for, um, for parts of your program to be covered, but then it kind of gets to a point where you're just kind of looking for help financially, money, and then you can do what you need to do. Some people are only willing to cover that stuff so they know where the money's going um, and they know you're not just blowing it. But realistically, you know, I, I do have like, you know, you have real life other bills like that have nothing to do with racing that have to be covered as well. So if, if, if you're racing for free, everything's covered, parts, gas, everything's covered, and then you don't make money, you still have to have a job yeah. to pay your rent yeah. and your van. And it just, it's never ending. And that's one thing that I've learned and is that it's never ending. And then the more help you get, it's like you still, it just still feels like things just pop up here and there and everything pops up. And, uh, you know, I'm not complaining. And one thing I've learned massively is that no matter what, like if you just keep your head down and you keep working, things work out. Like it just always works out and, uh, you know, you just be a good person, work hard and comes around, you know, if you get in a bind, I mean, I'm super grateful that I, I have my dad to help if, if I were to get into a real bad bind, but pretty, um, pumped that I, I haven't got to that point yet. So that's awesome. And it's, it's great to hear this side of it because like I said, nobody, nobody gets to hear it. Um, even in the, the amateur racing like side for our part, like my kid's five years old, you trained them a little bit yeah. while we were at um, PAX and it's kind of like the same thing, like we're not at that level yet and he wants to be, so that's what we work towards, but like when we, when we look for sponsors and we have some sponsors, but we, we strive to look for people, like I've turned a lot of sponsorships down and we only work with people that like I can back their products or I can say that I'm willing to promote them. Um, is it like that for you too? Will you only work with people that, that you could actually back their company or do you just take what you can get right now? No, yeah, I do because like, or I do um, only work with people that I can back their company because I really don't, I don't need a bunch of free product Correct. like from random companies and stuff like like I only take sponsors that I can back in like um, like I had a sock company sponsor me and like I'm not joking when I post about how amazing they were you know what I mean like I'm not just doing that for exactly. the money they paid me like they were amazing and I wear them every time I go on a road bike ride they're the only socks they wear on a road bike ride just things like that you know um, it's like uh, I don't know, sponsors are, sponsors are really tough because you have to make it worth their while. Yep. Um, yeah, you, you are a marketing, I mean, you're an advertiser for them. That's, yeah. that's all you are. Yeah. So it might seem like a relationship, and it, it, it can't turn into a relationship, but it's, you, you are advertising dollars to them. That's yep. all you are. Yep. And, it, it does, and it's hard to find good sponsorships to begin with, but ones that you can back on top of that makes it that much more difficult. Yep. So, 
it's, that's that's what we run into. But I, that's coming in like from your your aspect of it and being a professional level. I can't imagine like how hard it is. Cause we we know how hard it is. That's, we only have like you know four or five sponsors, and two of those including being my own businesses. So it's very difficult. But that's why I wanted to hear like from you how difficult it is, and like it, do you follow those same guidelines that we follow in a way? Yeah. Um, when it comes to that aspect of it. Well, this sport. This sport is so, like, result-oriented. Yeah. Uh, shoot, I, I have never, like, I don't even get free goggles. And um, I feel like, and I, I mean, I, I don't want to be the type of guy to sit here saying, oh, yeah, I'm racing pro, like, give me free stuff. That's not what I'm saying at all. But at the pro level... Like they just, it's just made to be so hard if you're not it in the is. top like 10, because I mean, like I made a, I made the night show in Salt Lake and finally, like right after that, I got a bunch of free stuff going into the night show that I needed for that night show. And it was the biggest relief off my shoulders yeah. ever. And I still use the same stuff I got from that day now because yeah. it's like to pay 75 bucks for a pair of goggles. I know. I, I know 65 kids that have the same deal I have for goggles. I'm like, yeah. and I'm racing, you know, pro supercross. It, it makes no sense to me. Like, I feel like there's no, like, they just, they kind of help out. Like, if, if you're Jet Lawrence, you're going to get it. If you're not, you're not. It's yeah. just kind of like, just. And that drives me crazy. Yeah. It, even at, like, our level and your level, or obviously, you're like the top 1% in the world. Okay. Uh, if, you, if you race professional supercross, you're at a level that, if you can imagine all the riders that actually ride, it just in this country alone is, it's an astonishing number. And then only 40 of you guys make it into a Supercross night show. And most people don't realize that. And they all think, you know, you get the free gear, you get free rides, your bike's free, your parts are free. None of that's free yeah. by any means. You're paying for all of that. And at an amateur level, like, they're... There's no sponsorship whatsoever. Like, it's about the same aspect. We'll get thirty percent off of goggles, or we'll get twenty-five percent off jerseys, or you know, gear sets. Or you guys are living the same struggle, but you're doing it at a much, much higher level where everything's much more expensive. Yeah. It's. I don't know why the sport is so hard. Like in that aspect of it, and it, it sucks for me to hear that you go through the same struggles that we go through at that level. Yeah. You know, that's why we want to have you here to talk about what it's like. Yeah. It's. it's it sucks to hear that we're we're all in the same boat, and you're literally being watched on TV. Yeah. Is Ryland Munson a business? Yeah. Okay. One hundred percent. Okay, so my question is, I, I I come from the real estate side of things, and we we were joking the other day doing give we went to this event, and there's all these giveaways. Well, car companies they'll give you oil changes, and they'll give this, and the bowling alley will give you free. Well, in the real estate world, I can't really, I can't give you a free house yep. as a giveaway. Yeah. And I, well, here, I'll give you a value, a free valuation on your home. Well, fantastic. So we were joking, my wife and I were joking, like, what is a real estate? What, what can we do? And we've realized we need to build relationships with businesses that have to do with homes so that we can then give those things to people. Yeah. The whole point of that diatribe was, since you are a business, have you started looking at how can the Ryland Munson brand 
helping business and maybe, because there are a lot of privateers like you out there that are kind of working, they're not just doing camps and they're kind of becoming the, this brand of, hey, I like cat tractors and I like this and this. Have you started looking at that aspect of it? Yeah, 100%. Um, and I actually have tried to, you know, venture my own path away from Moto to find sponsors to help me out in ways that are very much related to sport and sports in general. Um, I have a, uh, they're actually local to here in Jacksonville um, called iCryo. And it was, I, uh, I tore my ACL last year in between Lakewood and, uh, I guess it would have been High Point because, or no, Red Bud because I couldn't do High Point. And as soon as I got back from that, I, I found them and I went in and talked to, talked to the owner. And um, ever since then, they've been a huge help for me recovering from that knee. And then now even just recovering my body. And I, you know, I like that was a company that has nothing to do with racing, nothing to do with anything, but they advertised to athletes and sports in yeah, general yeah. for recovery so i just try to promote them i feel like i have a pretty good following and a following here in jacksonville and so i try to race locally and you know promote them as fast as best as i possibly can um but yeah i mean absolutely trying to get outside of the realm of the the hamster wheel of the same sponsors you know inside the industry bringing these outside sponsors in i think is super good so yeah, um, I don't know if you guys saw, but Justin Barsha, uh, sponsored by The Feed. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So they're helping me out as well. So it's kind of cool. I feel like awesome. it's me and Justin Barsha. Well, I wanted to ask you, have you met Christian Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt yet? I have not, nope. Because I know he's a big part of The Feed. And okay. I'm watching the tour, this, yeah. and he's like on the advertisements. And, yeah. And uh, so I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's actually a pretty cool thing because that is something that's important to racing is the one the rehydration the hydration recovery eating properly yeah and um, it's you see them they're all on bicycles they're it, there's triathletes and i'm like oh motorcycles that, 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 that kind of fits yeah yeah i think i think we um like it's it's going to be hard and it is hard but i think we have a really good like thing to build on here because motocross is big to us but it's tiny it is like i watched yeah. every single stage of the tour de france and i could not believe my eyes seeing how big that cycling is like all the fans yeah. yeah i mean it makes our sport look like tiny like it really does so i think that it, we have a lot of room to grow and bringing these outside sponsors in i mean like all the people that i cry oh it's like that they're helping me out you know it's like Oh yeah, I've heard of racing. Well, now that I go in there all the time and they see me on Instagram stuff, they really know a lot more about it. And I tell them I just got back from Salt Lake City, and they're like, "Wow, you drove all the way, you know, that far!" Like, people are just starting to hear more about it, and you know, the the more we can like put that out there to these outside sponsors, like you were just saying, like Cat and stuff like that, it's it's awesome. So, so how do you educate? Because like you're you're educating I cry right now. Yeah. How do you educate them to, one, come out and see what you do, Yeah. two, turn on the TV, three, I think the electric bike thing is really helping Stasics on little kids, like, 
how do you then educate them further to get them to buy in? Yeah, well, I think it's, uh, I mean, I think, I think they all like think it's so cool. You know, it's like motorcycles flying high through the air. Like it's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of like, especially guys, you know, like engines and stuff, they're just like interested in that. But nobody really knows, knows where to go or yeah. how to watch yeah. it or what to do. I think there's not enough promotion of the yeah. sport no. at all. We're, I, we're promoting back to the same people that watch yeah. it. That's it. The people that watch it and the people that race it. I mean, I, I you know, I own a remodeling and handyman business and some of my customers will talk about my kids and I'm like, you know, they race motocross and they, they look dumbfounded at you. And I'm like, they race dirt bikes. They're like, oh, that's cool. You know, I've seen that on TV a time or two, but mm-hmm. there's, there literally is no promotion. Right. Where like the big sporting events, they're everywhere. Yep. Like you see billboards about them and down by us where Malcolm and James, their compound is, they're literally 15 minutes from my house. Yep. And there's a billboard with Malcolm on it, but that's it. Like yeah. you don't ever see, they, they don't promote the sport like they should. Right. This, this sport is probably, probably the most fan, fantasizing sport there is. Mm-hmm. But it's, to me, it's literally just, it's a group of us that out of the whole world, we're literally like a dot. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. I, I wish there were, I wish, or I wish I could figure out some kind of other promotion tactics. Yeah. Well, everything's so secretive too, you know, like in, oh, yeah. in all pretty much other sports, you can, you can go sit in on NFL practices, I believe, from what I know, or like training camps. Cyclists, you can just see them riding on the road, runners running the tracks, just triathletes swimming. You know, you can just see all these other sports, them practicing. Um, but then like moto, oh, we're at a private compound, gated, yeah. you can't see anything, no no media, you know, there's just nothing. Like everything's just so secretive now. We were just talking yeah, about we that were. Like, That's on the way up here, like of that, that what? We were talking about, they, they did a thing on the race this weekend where they were talking about the guys about training. Yep. And I it hit me like, man, why don't they talk about their lives more? Like, I watch IndyCar and they're doing a. They did a six, uh, six days to India or something. I can't remember what it was called, but it was a it was a documentary on. And they're in these guys' lives. I'm watching the show on Netflix called Quarterback. They're at Patrick Mahomes' birthday party. He's wearing a microphone while he's on the field, and I'm like, it hit me. Why are we not micing these guys up? If he's wearing a microphone playing, we can put one on Adam C. and Cirillo and see what he's saying while he's going around the track. Well, uh, I don't know if you guys know or saw um, AJ Catanzaro did that in Supercross. Yeah, the mic'd up. Yeah. And it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I love that. Like, there's there's a part of that that makes you guys look like you're actually human and yep. not machines. Yep. Are you screaming at the guy? Are you singing? I mean, I know that every once in a while I wear a GoPro here when I race off-road. And every once in a while Michelle's like, are you singing? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sing- like, I'm singing a song because I'm trying to get my focus back, so I'm trying to breathe and singing makes you kind of breathe and she's like what were you singing i'm like i don't remember because you can hear it but you can't really hear it and i'm like can you imagine if i had a microphone and i'm just going around the track and oh god oh that hurt okay and you ah, get out of the way yeah i just think that would be so cool and patrick mahomes i watched the first episode they probably had him on the field 30 seconds of audio but if if he can play a football game with that on you guys can race with one on. Yeah. 
Yeah, especially in the helmets, like yeah. it would be easy. Yeah, to just it's put literally right, on. right at the the nose piece. Then yeah. So I just think like there's ways. Maybe you should come up with that this year for like qualifying stuff. Just figure out or or does AMA or felt say you can't? Well, so that's a big thing too. Is um you know they, they, you can't wear the GoPro on yeah. a helmet anymore. Yeah. So really, I mean, GoPro on the chest doesn't work for me. The way I ride, it just points right at my bars. I can't like angle it. So like the Insta360 yeah. is becoming big or the um, fishbowl lens for the GoPro. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, like I've been trying to do that. But once again, I haven't been able to save up the money for a GoPro and my GoPro's all like scratched up and not good. And then second, I, I try to vlog. Like I tried to vlog all my Supercross stuff this year, but when you're trying to vlog, a lot more things are more important than yeah. that vlog. You know, like especially if a bike issue. Yeah. You know, a bike issue arises, then you're done. Like okay. you, that's all you need is a media person, and, and yeah. it could be the cool. Like I could make the coolest stuff, just film every single thing I do because I'm not trying to hide anything, and I feel like a lot of guys are. I, just, I think the vlog thing is cool. Yeah. Don't, and this is going to sound counter, don't try to make it professional. Right. When you're in yourself. changing clothes, I have a little tripod. Put your phone on the tripod, just talk like while you're getting dressed, shoot five minutes, put that together. On the way home, I don't want to hear your race report that you qualified 42nd and you made it through the last chance. I want to know like, dude, the hotel, this city, this is going on, man, the people were crazy. Did you see what Justin did at this? I cannot believe. Oh, and by the way, I did this. Yeah. I want to know what the life, what was the trip like? Yeah. Where did you travel? How, how was travel? What, what did you run into? The life around the it. The life around it and yeah. what we saw. And man, we really love stopping at Love's Truck Stops Day. Start talking about the things that you see and do versus setting up on your dash. I, we had our camera set up because we were thinking about doing like a pre thing just had the camera facing us totally forgot about on the way honest. up and like just shoot the breeze. We may talk about it on the way home. We may shoot one, go Facebook Live on the way home, just set up the because I can drive and not look. I don't care. I, and just talk to your girlfriend about the trip and let us, like you said, you're not afraid. Hey man, when I get home, I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta work on this. Yeah. Let us know what you had to work on. What were you good at? What were you bad at? And I hate to take your time, but I feel so passionate about like, let us in. I think Adam Cianciarella does it the best, and he's even said in his podcast, if I was allowed to talk about this stuff, I would be more than happy to tell. Yeah, but that right there, allowed. If, if I was allowed, yeah. Because why aren't we allowed? I don't know. Why, why aren't, because why, why can't we know how much someone makes? Yeah. I understand it's private, but... Yeah, but if they want to disclose it, I feel like that should be on them. 100 percent it's not right no it's not it's on cali they're yeah. you know they're they're all owned it's like they are machines where i said how you know aj canzaro makes him feel like he's a human mm -hmm. and you get into talk like that you, you feel people see the human side of you those guys they don't get to be a human right like, they are machines yep. and they are a part of pro circuit kawasaki that is that is what you do they're hired to do a job yeah. and that's that's it. all you do yeah. you if they're told to let somebody around better than let that person around or your you know your actual job so yeah. you're a pro and you train oh yeah have you had the opportunity because like he and i've talked about man, i would love my daughter works in tallahassee we are 25 minutes from um the good farm yep i'm like i just want to go you can tap my camera i just want to go watch 
what you guys go through every day. Mm -hmm. There is no way in hell they're letting me on that property to go watch. Yeah. Have you been able as a pro to go see other pros train? Oh yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, I actually got to train a little bit with uh, Sexton um, down at Tyler Rattrace. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was amazing. That was really cool. He's an awesome dude. I've heard he's very, very nice. He, yep. he is a very nice person. Yeah, he, he, he had introduced himself to me. I'm just there washing my bike and he came up and I was asked if I was new because I was had just started at Rattrays and yeah he came up and because I wasn't going to bother the dude I mean I'm sure he's got a lot going on and yeah. I'm not like I don't really care. He's trying know, to figure but, out how to keep his front end from going to the left. <laughs> yeah well it's not even get on that top. <laughs> but uh, yeah no that was that was really cool you know it's like and that just shows um, when you're riding with those guys like it's just a different world and the machine, it's just, you know, there's just so much. Um, I think he's hes kind of the only real, like, factory rider that I've gotten to, to ride with before um, that, that I can think of. So I mean, did you train or did you just watch? Like, can I learn or, like, what did you? Well, so I would, like, he would go out in between my sessions. Okay. So it's kind of like we had a group that would go out and then like he would kind of go out and do his own stuff and that's kind of how it should be. Yeah. I mean, he's on a different level yeah. than, I mean, a majority of people anyways, like even most of the 450 class anyways. So yeah, I would just watch, but I mean, it was it's hard to really, in Supercross, I mean, you can watch what they do like body-wise, but on a factory 450 and I was on the stock 250, it's like, how am I really gonna replicate any yeah. of this? Yeah. You know, I kind of just have to like do my thing, you know, as best as I can. Did you, and there is, the, there are those differences. Is there anything like if you had the opportunity again to sit down and say like, hey, how do you run your life? And off book, we're, hey, we're just talking and do you think there's anything you could take from, maybe you can't take the riding because the equipment's a little different, but can you take stuff from the life and use? I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, I think those guys definitely have a lot going on and they have a lot to do. I think uh, as a privateer, I think, you know, we're more like after riding, those guys are, they're getting paid, you know, so they can go home yeah. and whether it's they need to take a nap, you know, for recovery, like they have that ability. Whereas when I get home from my training and riding during the day, I, I paid to ride there. So I just lost some money. So now I got to go work. Like I don't have that time. So yes and no. I mean, they just have the time. Um, I'm really grateful for my team and my trainer, um, Complete Racing Solutions. Uh, I've learned like a ton of what I need to do for all of that. So, but I'm sure there's still more that I can learn from what he does and stuff. But also everybody's unique. You know, what works for him may not work for me. So awesome. Uh, who's the owner of Complete Racing Solutions? Uh, Rob Beans. Yep, I've, I, he is one of the, it's amazing, the guy's been in the sport for years and somehow he's polar, He's a polarizing figure. It's amazing, but the guy's knowledge base is unreal, unreal, like yeah. unreal. He trains triathletes, bicyclists, swimmers, horse people, Racers. This is his passion. Yeah. Photo, for yeah. Sure. It's, it's not. This is not the biggest part of his business. No way. <laughs> it's probably the one of. Yeah. I wouldn't say smallest, but yeah, 
Yeah, definitely not the biggest. Have you ever had the chance to sit and pick his brain? Because what he's talked about wanting to do with professional racing is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But he's never really gone too much in depth, and I don't expect you to either. But have you had a chance to sit down and pick his brain about what he sees about professional racing? A lot. Yeah. Let's yeah. leave it there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> no, I, I don't expect you to spill any beans, but yeah. I, I know that he is polarizing, but he also gives a damn about it too. A lot. And he yeah. cares about the writer. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I'm very grateful for the relationship I have with him. Um, he's actually the, the one that got me the opportunity to move here. Oh. Um, so I've been with him for a couple of years now. Um, I've been on, the, on his team for, for a little bit now. And, you know, that kind of goes back to the sponsors and stuff. Like, I do get free gear. I do get free stuff a lot through him, which is super helpful. I mean, to not have to worry about paying for gear or gloves is massive for me because I go through a lot of that. I yeah. go through a lot of gloves, a lot of gear. A do you lot change of... gloves every time, every race? Um, if I'm doing a pro, pro stuff, most of the time, yeah. Um, but why is that? I have a buddy that changes gloves every race. So I like, I don't do it every single race, especially like local stuff, like I said, pro stuff, yeah. But I like my gloves to be dry. I sweat a lot, so my gloves will get wet. Um, and I can't stand when they're wet, so I'll put on a dry pair. I also like them just tight. And then, I don't know, it's just kind of a thing. I'm like, I'm just gonna put on a new set. I wanna look crisp and fresh and represent my sponsors, so I'll put on even a local race, I'll put on a new set of gear in between every single moto if I can, just to look clean, look fresh and professional and do my job, so. How many guys are on the Complete Racing Solutions team? Because I know they got the, they're getting ready for Loretta's, and yep. that's a big thing. Yep, so there's our factory team, I'm not sure the exact numbers, I want to say there's like in between six, or there's about six of us. But then he's got like other levels of teams with more guys, I think like 20, and then he's got off-road, like he, he yeah, does it all. Yeah. Um, but I believe there's six of us here. No, I, I highly respect what he's done. I don't get into the drama side of things. I, I truly, he's got a knowledge base. I think my nephew, uh, MJ, is now using his, uh, a, he's using his dietary plan. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's, the, he went through the process and he's on that, Eating plan. He's on a training plan because God knows that would MJ have to <laughs> do some work there. But on the eating plan, he's on the eating plan now. And uh, but no, I, I truly believe. It. If you get the chance to see him, tell him that he has a, a big fan here in Polk County. I, I really do like what he's done over the years. And I remember him when he was training Adam Cincerello. Yep. That's I remember that far back. Yep. So that's awesome. That's that's a, that's a good tool to have in your toolbox. Yeah. I, I was like. Couple years ago, when I was able to, you know, save that contact in my phone, I knew that was going to be something that I would, you know, definitely like keep in my bank for forever. So, because he's he's an amazing mind and an amazing person for sure. So, so you enjoy eating ice cream? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. That that's the secret right there is ice cream. That's for sure. And MJ was telling me the other day, he's like, yeah, I have to eat. He's, before bed, he had to eat something like it was like a pound cake, like a angel or something. He had to eat some sort of cake, and I'm like, yeah, so you can satiate your hunger. And he's like, how do you know that? And I'm like, because I've listened to him for a year. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think he picked you up because you have a similar look to Ryan Dungey. Has yeah. anybody told you you look like Ryan Dungey? I think I've heard that, and I've also heard um, Tyler Bowers. I could say Tyler Bowers. Yeah. Tyler, I feel like Tyler's a little 
A little thicker, maybe? Maybe. Tyler, Tyler's so definitely at, a big dude. At the, at the point that I was told that, I weighed probably like 30 pounds more than I do right now. Still, though. Like, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's a big he's dude. A big, yeah. You probably, do you, who do you ride like? Are you, are you, are you gentle on the bike or are you more of a bulldog? Oh, very gentle. And I, I'm like told that I'm like sneakily fast. Like I, I met a guy and he actually sponsored me and still helps me out a ton. Um, and it was like, he was like, dude, like, I, I don't even, didn't even really hear you on the track. You know, I just thought it was another bike. But then when you like watch and I, you know, somebody else goes out there with you, it's like, holy crap. Like I keep my RPMs really low. Like I just, I don't know. I, I think that's a lot to do with trying to be easy on my bikes. Like yeah, yep. these Kawasaki's and I'll knock on some wood, but I have people tell me all the time they're blowing them up and bottom ends and clutches and I never, I haven't replaced it. I've replaced one clutch ever on a four-stroke bike. Ever. Really? Yeah. You're not a clutch guy, huh? No. I, 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 I appreciate that. I'm not a clutch guy either. I have a, I have a 2021 YZF250 FX. I haven't replaced clutch yet. Yeah. I'm at an 85 hours right now. I'm a, I'm a Cali guy and I've never had yeah. any issues. Yep, and and you know some people could say, oh, well, you're not riding hard enough. I just I disagree with that. But to answer the question, I, I feel like I honestly on a practice day, I feel like I ride, and this you know people can laugh, but I feel like I ride very similar to Jet. Easy. I stand up, flow. feet on the pegs, I flow everything. The hard thing to replicate is doing that on those rough tracks. Yeah, yeah, that's what's yeah. hard. So. And that's the only way to do that in the race. Is that, is that the only way? Because they can make the practice track rough, but it's not the same as 20 pros going through it. Right, yeah. And then it's also hard mentally to say, okay, I'm going to flow and go faster than these guys. Like, it just feels like bulldog and you're going to go faster when in turn. I mean, you can clearly see it. He's 16 and 0. Yeah, yeah. Flow, you're going to go faster. But I think Jack Chambers ran into that problem. I think yeah. Jack Chambers this year, I think he ran into some racecraft issues. There were times like, instead of, hey, instead of trying to squeeze into the spot, let me take the outside. And I think that it's a hard lesson to learn. And oh, if yeah. you can learn it, maybe you don't pay off right now, but maybe you pay off later. Well, it's this. It's hard to, to learn it, um, considering you go from like four lap races to 30 plus two from mm -hmm. an amateur yeah. to a pro. Yeah. And then even Loretta's, I mean, you just don't have enough time to learn racecraft. You can't sit behind guys for too long or the race is just going to be over. I mean, Loretta's 20 minutes, that just, that goes by fast, yeah. really fast. So 30 plus two doesn't, but 20 does. <laughs> so we talked about this last week. You're, you're a taller kid um, and you, you were talking about his riding style. We talked about last week the... You know, Bubba brought in the, the Bubba scrub, Jerry McGrath did his thing, and we're like, well, what's the new riding style? You know, what are these guys going to bring? But like we both said, it's already here. Like that flowy, that flowy aspect of yeah. how they ride, I guess you want to say. If you look back, like guys like you, tall, tall guys, were really not that fast back, you know, back yeah, in the Bubba were, days. It was all the Ricky Carmichael, yeah. The, yeah. they were real short. And now it's like you taller guys are very flowy, and it's, it's, I was waiting for him to say, you know, I feel like a flowy rider because I, I just looking at your pictures, you can tell like you're tall, 
and your picture's on a bike, you can tell that, you know, you're a flowy rider. Do you, I, I don't even know that I have a question, because you, you're not going to be able to answer, like, do you think that your tallness acts, you know, plays a part in that, but I've noticed that all you, all the taller riders, like, that's how you guys ride. Yep. I don't know, uh, we, we can't get an answer of why, you know, like, where that's deriving from, because it, it has evolved from small riders to taller riders, and now the tall riders are the dominant riders, where it used to be the entire opposite. Well, I feel like, um, like I can just stand, keep my feet on the pegs, and use the force of my legs. Yeah. And that's, I think, where it comes from. But is that coming, that's the, where we were bantering back, is that coming from the engineering of the bikes now? The triangles are set up different? Because you used to get in a corner, and it's, as you were coming into the corner, sit down and go. You're rolling halfway through the corner, maybe more before you sit down, and then you're immediately standing back up again. Yeah, and then, I mean, some corners, if it works, you just stand the whole thing. Yeah. And yeah. no, I don't think that comes from anything other than strength and fitness. That's my opinion. Where, you know, Carmichael has turned the entire sport from what it was to what it is now. Yeah. And we wouldn't know if he was standing up or not. No, not really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's the thing. Like, those guys were so short. Like, yeah. they are tiny. Yeah. And now it's the the tall the tall guys the yeah. tall skinny you know you're like a rail then that's that's the fast guys now. Yep. And I, I do think it has a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. The bikes haven't really changed that much. They have. Yep. But it's still a it's still dirt a dirt bike. bike. You know, yep. still it's not like it's not like they're they're literally like two inches wide. You can just squeeze the things. They're still the same build. You know, yep. in a way. And. It's what it has to be is, you know, the fitness is now, like, if you're taller, you got more leg room, more leg strength, you can literally do these type of things. It's crazy how it has evolved like that. Yeah. It's, it's, I think Jason Anderson talked about it at the press conference, and one of the guys asked him this weekend about the riding with these new kids and the new riding style. And I didn't get to listen, but he supposedly the answer was eloquent on what this new writing style is and if you're talking about it something did you learn it or did you did someone teach it to you or was that just how you written i i'm very unique i don't like facilities i don't really like just staying at one spot listening to one person i do my best when i go to the track on my own and work what i know me i need to work on because I have good people around me that tell me what they see and what I need to work on. And then when I can go on my own and apply it, that's when I do my best. So I've kind of just taught myself that. Um, I know I'm strong. I know I have the balance. I know I have the speed. I know I have everything. So I've just kind of taught myself. And when you can flow, it's just like everything just starts to come so easy when you finally can get that, you know, stand in that flow. Yeah. So. To answer the question, more just teach myself. I have gone to facilities and stuff before and learned a ton, you know, that I'll always keep. But once again, you know, everybody's just so different. What works for one guy might not work for me because I'm six four. You know, yeah. I'm just different. So. Yeah. Okay, so you're a little shorter than Bloss, but. <laughs> yeah. Like a little bit taller than AP. I think. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. he's the next. I think he's the next one. Yeah, I don't. I don't like. Like, I'm trying to not be quite as skinny as I am because I'm real skinny and I want to weigh a little bit more than I do. But uh, I'm just trying to be a little bit bigger. But isn't there happy meetings? I think I think Tomac's a fairly big guy. 
Jet, if you look at Jet, he's not smaller, he, and Sexton's definitely not smaller. Sexton's pretty strong. Yeah. Um, we're not the Marvins and the Dungies of, of old, where it was a little more compact, yeah. thinner. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I think there's a fine line. Um, you know, yeah, you kind of want to be thinner, I guess, but then you're kind of more fragile. Yeah. Um, and I've learned that big time. Um, I mean, I, I'm tall and I'm real skinny right now, so I'm just I'm trying to you know get that muscle and that strength back for uh, before next year. So. So when do you actually start the? We'll use the term boot camp. When do you start boot camp? I guess that would probably be for me not this week but next. Okay. Um, I took, like I said, I took a couple weeks off over the summer, um, and then I've been using the past. Uh, I've had the past two weeks just kind of getting my body back going, cycling, riding in the gym, and then we'll get real hard into it next week. Now, does Coach Rob set that up? Yeah. Okay, so you really, you just have to follow the program. Correct. And you give him your dashboard every day? And... Yeah, so um, thankfully, him and I communicate like on a daily basis. Um, That's cool. Yeah, so I, I just, uh, you know, I, I follow it to a T yeah. and because I know that if I do this, I'm not going to do too little and I'm not going to do too much. If I'm feeling super good, I'll say, hey, can I do some more, or do, you know, whatever. But yeah, we talk a lot. Um, what does a, so let's go not on your off time, because that's something I'm curious about. And I know there's things you can't say or don't want to say, but what does a normal training week look like? Riding, training, sleeping, like if, Like a full day? Yeah, like a full day. It's like next week? Yeah. Full day? Yeah. Um, just get up, you know, like 6.30 in the morning. I try to get up early. Um, starting the day early is just way better for me. I've learned that. Uh, but I just get up, I eat my breakfast, and then I'll probably go straight to the track. If it's a ride day, I'll just go straight to the track, try to be to the track as early as I can and ride as early as they'll let me um, to be out of the track and be home by, like, lunchtime. Um, so I'll do my motos or whatever I have on the schedule, my riding. Be home by like lunchtime, and then um, usually I'll just kind of like try to get out of the heat for a little bit, but that's hard because I'll get home, I gotta wash my bike, get all that done, get the bike prepped, and then eat my lunch. Usually I'll go work for a while, and then after I work, I'll come home, go to the gym, get my gym work done, whether that's in the gym, and then a bike ride or a bike ride or whatever that is, um, eat dinner, and then just kind of hit repeat. You know, it's kind of kind of it's nothing like major i mean i'm not like hiding anything that's really all it is it's not it's not a, like a ton but it's a full day and it's just a lot of stuff to do in a day every day so what does the um, work entail are you teaching lessons are you working are you on a loader moving dirt or? <laughs> you guys are gonna like this delivering groceries ah perfect okay yeah it's absolutely perfect for me like an um, instacart type of deal yeah yeah and uh it kind of was like a secret for me for a little while but it's not really a secret anymore because they're full so good luck to anybody trying to sign yeah. up <laughs> but uh i've heard it's really good like it's uh, a really good gig to get into if you can get into it yeah and i got into it early and it's it's just boomed i mean for people that have a full-time job, probably like you guys, I mean, like, yeah. you can work an extra hour and just, oh, hey, I'll, I'll pay, you know, have my groceries delivered, you know, tip them like 10 bucks. 
I, I take a lot of pride in everything I do. I don't care if somebody wants to judge me for delivering groceries. I'm gonna do it the best I can to make the most money I can. So if I, and I can, oh, I get home from ride and then I have a raging headache, I'm not gonna work. I get home from ride and then I feel great. I'm gonna go work for four hours and come home and do what I, you know. Yeah. I just make make the most I can in the amount of time I allot and then go from there. And you don't have to be out in the heat, so you get to actually well, utilize your workspace? Well, I don't have AC in my Ranger, my little Ford Ranger. <laughs> so it's like probably 112 in there when Listen, it's 100 outside. My work, my business van doesn't have AC either, so <laughs> it's a hot box. Yeah, so I try to spend as much time in the store as I can and then quickly deliver. So do you actually shop for them? Yeah, you shop oh, okay. the whole thing. And then, uh, is that you, do you work for Instacart? Yeah. That's what I forgot. But you don't have any boss. Yeah, no, it's you hear your own deal. You don't, you don't answer to anybody. I literally put my headphones in, turn on the podcast, do my work. I'm going to say for you, it's an educational thing too, because you can get information, your, the information you want to put in. Mm-hmm. And it's your, so that's not bad. I mean, honestly, it's not a bad thing for a, a pro athlete. Yeah. No, I mean, I've even heard stories of Mike Brown doing DoorDash and yeah. stuff, but, uh, no, and I think, you know, if, like, I'll see other people doing orders and they just, I think, kind of do it in a different way than me. But if I'm working, I'm working. Like, I'm not messing around. I'm working. If I got to eat a snack, I'm going to eat while I'm driving. I'm going to just do what I need to do to make the most that I can. And yeah. you can make, you know, you can do pretty decent. Um, as soon as I turned 21, it got a lot better when I started delivering yeah. alcohol because uh, people tip a lot better. Yeah. And, you know. Not to bore your listeners. No, no that's, a, that's the real life stuff. That's, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, this shows that you're still a human. Yeah. Like, outside of racing, if you're not making money, you still have to pay your bills. Oh, yeah. So, well, like, how do you do that? And that's that's one of the most flexible businesses that you could be in 100%. around racing. So that, I, that's what I was so curious of is what are you doing? Because if you're not coaching kids mm-hmm. or running a loader facing a track or what are you doing that allows you to train? And, and that answers that question. That's perfect. That is, yeah. And yeah. I will tell you, we are a grocery delivery family. I mean, yeah. that's, we have that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's awesome because I can take it with me anywhere I go. I go stay with my sister in Texas for a week. I'll do a couple orders if I have the time. I go up to Colorado. I do some there. Um, it's tough when you don't know the stores. Like I know these stores like the back of my hand here. Yes, you can go. Yeah, efficient Time management. Yeah, and it's super efficient. I just know where everything's at. Works out good. I'm in and out. I make my money, and yeah. I think I think about it all the time when I'm doing it. Um, like it would be hard to find a job that pays how much I make an hour doing it. Mm-hmm. But the only thing is that you don't make that much an hour on a 10 hour day. Yeah. It's like four hours, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like dinner time, yeah. stuff like that, so. But it no. works for your schedule. Perfect. And it allows you to chase the dream. Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing, you're never gonna find a job that's gonna work around My your riding schedule. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't Some care. Some people might they, say, but. Yeah. They, they might think it's cool that you know, you're a professional supercross, motocross rider, or most of them aren't gonna even know what that is, but. They're trying to build their own business. They're not gonna give, rats behind about how professional you are because that's not going to make them any money right exactly yeah i I think that's that's a admirable that you're willing to say yes i work and two that you kind of thought enough what can i do that i can still 
chase this. Yep. And that's that's a tough gig because a lot of people don't want to swallow their pride. I'm I'm a motocrosser, so it's all I do. It's all I do. Okay, well, you can live in a van down by the sea, or you can yeah. live in a really nice place, have a gym, and be able to go train. Yep. And I, I commend that. I, I commend that, and I think that's cool. How does how does coach feel about you? Like burn an extra hour out, out when you should be taking a nap. I don't even know that I've told him that I do that. Oh. I, he, I really... You might find out now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really haven't told, like, hardly anybody about my, my friends and stuff that know. Um, well, thank you for opening up. We appreciate yeah. it. No, this is awesome. I'm glad to get to open up, but uh, I, I don't think he minds. Um, Obviously, you're still following your program just fine. I yeah. Mean, if there's no issue there, then... Yeah, I don't, like... I don't let I don't let the work get in the way of my work, yeah. like riding and yeah. training and stuff. Um, so I make you know I make what I need to make, and I, I work as hard as I can. But if there's a day where I'm just like I gotta train, I'll train and I'll make it up another day. So that's how I look at yeah. it, you know. And the the self self employment of it is amazing because I I know what I need to make. Yeah. All right, I gotta work late tonight because I know I need to do a couple extra orders to make a hundred dollars more or something. Yeah. You know, just to be able to afford something. Or... And we, trust me, we we more than understand that we we're both small business owners. Yeah. So, like, there comes a time where, hey, my wife has cut on hours this week. Like, this is what I got to do to pay the bills. And yeah. It's so nice to be able to. I can do this job. I can market to these people. See mm -hmm. if they need anything else. I can do this job. Yeah. Where a nine to five, you aren't doing that. Like no. this is what you make, and that's if you don't make what you need for that month, you're done. Like, yeah. it's you're, like you're screwed. A guy like Rodwell. I mean, he was working air conditioning. Yeah. And luckily, his boss gave him the time off to go race. But he would be in an attic all day, and then try to figure out he could go ride at Bud's Creek at five o'clock, six o'clock at night to get some riding in. That's tough. That's brutal. That's tough. Yeah, I mean, like. That's why I'm grateful. I can get up and I can go ride in the morning and then I can work later. I can use when I'm fresh mentally and physically in the morning to go ride. And then I can be beat and try to get in some orders later in the evening. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So. so have you ever been in a race and had the Instacart? Uh, like I've thought about post -race. it. Post-race. <laughs> I've thought about it or like staying in a hotel. Like I've had the time, but no, I've never done it. I've always just been like, all right, I'm going to rest. Like, yeah. When I'm racing, you know, that's like sole priority. Um, I have, I have, I don't know if there's ever a time like, you know, you can use a little bit of gas money. So you go, go to a grocery store. No, thankfully, like that one, other, that's another thing is that I, I don't really know what I would be doing without my dad because I get my gas covered. So to have that gas covered to do an Instacart, like I, Instacart is like full income. Like I don't really pay anything to, yeah. to do it. Like, all profit. Yeah, a lot of people shoot, you know, gas prices. That's got to be tough. Um, so, like, I'm super grateful for that. Again, just, you know, I've got the help to be, you know, getting by and getting through it. But, uh, no, nope, I have never done that. I've, like I said, I've done it in other states before, but never yeah. had a race. <laughs> What's the uh, best part about being a pro motocross, supercross rider? And what's the worst part? Oh, the best part's definitely meeting fans. And like taking pictures and stuff like this year was incredible for me. It's like my first pro year and like show up and showing up at the races and like I actually have fans and people are buying my shirt and like want my autograph and take pictures and 
you go on Instagram and you know you're tagged in stories and stuff. It, it's amazing. It really is cool. Like that's my dream. Like I really didn't. You know, like my dad was a small business. Like we never really like did anything huge, and so it's just it's awesome doing that. Um, and then the worst part, I don't really. I don't really have a bad, I mean, I guess the worst part about it, I would say, honestly, is just, just the stress. I probably, a lot of guys can say that, but there are some days where I'm like, man, I really wish I didn't have to look at the price of how much this, these eggs are going to cost or stuff like that. You know, it's like, I just wish I could be all right financially and just race my dirt bike. It's like just the stress of the bike parts and just, it is. Yeah a full-time job 24 7 but that, that's how i grew up with my dad having his own business that's part of full time job. anyway yep. you know what i mean like at an amateur level that we are it's yeah i gotta we need to rebuild this bike we yep. need to so even at a professional standpoint it's, it's really no different no. It's, if you're in this sport you gotta you gotta figure it out because it's very expensive regardless of what level you're at so yeah that's awesome so on this note What's it like to line up at a Supercross race? Well, so lining up was a lot better. The It was a lot harder lining up and qualifying. Yeah. Because when I, uh, so qualifying all season long um, was, was nothing major. Um, you know, just lined up against other privateers. Well, then I roll up to Salt Lake and there's, <laughs> they put me in A group. And so I was oh, you're like, in it. <laughs> I, I was, I think there was, there was hardly any privateers really because the 250 class mm-hmm. is stacked. Yeah. And by privateers, I mean like non-teams because, you know, the Phoenix Honda guys, that's factory to me. You're you're flying, you're in the semi. Yeah. So there was probably like four of us on, you know, uh, privateers. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, caught me off guard in the first section. I just like wasn't really like being tough. Like I wasn't putting myself out there. So, I mean, just getting parked in the corners by Deegan and just all those guys. The only dude that was cool to me was Hunter Lawrence. He'd get behind me and then just kind of go around me when he could. All the other dudes, you know, wide open in yeah. there, just like park you in the corners. They don't care who you are because they've never seen Munson on a jersey before. So then finally, in the second session, I was like, all right, I'm not taking this crap anymore. These guys are no better than me and never got messed with at all even in the races just never got messed with in the races it was tough um the night show came around and it was muddy so i, I got lapped and stuff and so that was tough because it's hard to really move out of the way yeah. um i guess the, the heat race was good but the uh lcq was what was muddy um yeah, yeah. it ran like halfway through that night yeah it was, it was a beautiful track it looked it looked beautiful up until yeah the lcq yeah yeah but I really was, I was, wasn't nervous on the gate or anything. I was just so pumped that I had finally made it and I worked all season. I knew I was going to be leaving ahead of where I came in money wise. Yeah. So it was just like kind of such a relief, but qualifying was like, I did my one fast lap and I pulled into the mechanics area and told my brother, I was like, I feel so sick. I'm so nervous. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't even hold on. I like had nothing left. I, Tried to do another fast lap on my very last one, and I overshot the triple into the corner and hit my face on the bars. I was like, all right, I'm done. I hope my lap holds, <laughs> and it held. 
before I even came to the finish line, I'm bawling in my goggles because I'm like, finally. You did. You know, it was amazing. So, lining up, let's say you're in 250 Heat 1. Yeah. What, what is it like to sit on the gate and just look? Yeah, it was amazing. I think that I had the opportunity the year before to do Salt Lake and we got yeah. to race in the night show in front of the crowd. But just being a part of the yeah, show. Supercross so race in general. It doesn't matter what race it is. Like, yeah. What is it like to sit there and just... Just look, opening ceremonies, you know, looking around. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. It truly is. I mean, all season long to watch opening ceremonies from the stands, like, people just don't understand how terrible that is. Like, you go, you drive, you do everything to be there, and then you're not, and you're not down there, there yeah. you know. But to see the fireworks going off and the national anthem, just everything, and you're down there getting ready for the heat race, it's just, like, it's Really undescribable. Can you feel the heat coming off the heat guns? This oh yeah, oh yeah, I feel that up oh, the yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's so cool, and then especially something about Salt Lake. I mean, they sit really, really far down and close. Yeah. So you're, I'm sitting on the gate. I had the, I was dead last gate pick, furthest to the outside, and you look over, and the fans are like <laughs> right there. I mean, they're just looking like right at. It was so cool. Like, hey, I, I got chills. Yeah, yeah, I just have chills. That's, talking. that's how I am. Just you know, thinking about it because I know, like, just being there. Yeah, sold out from stadium. your shoes. I can't even. I've been on the tracks before. You know, I've track walked them, but it's a whole different ball game when you're behind the helmet. Yep. You know, sitting on that gate. I, that's one thing I've always wanted to hear, and I've never really got the opportunity to sit down and ask somebody what it's like to actually line up yeah. at a Supercross race and just, you know, take it in. Yeah, it makes everything the top guys do a lot more respectable because to be in that atmosphere and still execute your plan yeah. and every single thing you need to, clutch really simple things, becomes so behind in your mind when yeah. you've got a sold out crowd watching you and yeah, you're just noise like, and you just hear DJ Monster Energy or whatever doing his thing and then 30 seconds Let's go, <laughs> and the cannons are going off and I was going to say you're at the very inside gate so you're getting the echo off everything one second after the gate dropped what are you thinking? crap I got a bad joke <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious because it's like well, it's all everything. The nerves are going. The nerves are going, and all of a sudden, it's like you hear that that sound, and it's like it's like, oh, wow, this is real. Yeah, it's you got 40, 40 bikes just screaming, but to me, I feel like it would be total silence. Yeah, I really like. I don't even remember. Like you just don't. I just don't. I was for this outside gate, and um. I'm pretty notorious for getting good starts. Even in qualifying, I would get decent starts. But the gate dropped, and I kind of hit wheelied. Or no, we, I got off the gate good and then hit a hole and had kind of wheelied. So immediately got pinched off to the outside. Mm -hmm. So I had to back out of it because it funnels so fast. So I was like pretty pretty well last and uh, tried to just like stay up in there because I see guys just back out at all the time. I was like, if I can just stay up in there. And then there was a first turn crash and I got around some guys. But yeah, I was like, dang it. Because I, I always get good starts and then the gate drops and I'm on a stock 250. And I just was like, they were gone from me. Oh, yeah. The first time lining up against factory motorcycles. I've always rode stock bikes. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm at a power disadvantage here. And that is a tough thing on the 250s. And that leads me to 
what is the lifespan of you on a 250? Will you try a 450 before the dream is over? Like, is that is that the goal to go to a 450? Yeah, so I actually ride a 450 outdoors. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I'm full-time 450, really. Um, okay. I ride 250 for Supercross. Okay. You have to ride a 250. There's stipulations. Until you make a night show. Okay. So I finally made the night show at Salt Lake. So I can do 450 if I want, but I'm going to stick with the 250 again um, and just do the East Coast stuff for next year. And, uh, excuse me, and uh, um, I think a 450 would be a little bit too much for me on Supercross right now until I can get the, or the 450 would be too much until I can get the 250 down. Um, I saw a little bit of work, like uh, things I want to work on on the 250. Like I just appreciate that. I appreciate that honesty of, yeah. hey, I might not be ready for the 450 right now. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that because everybody's like, oh, I'm better on a 450. I'm better on a 450. And there's a professional saying, I got some stuff I need to work on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I definitely do. I really enjoy my 450 outdoors just because I'm, you know, taller and bigger and it just works well for me. But Supercross is just a different game yeah. to ride a bike with that kind of power that wants to go tight the whole time yeah <laughs> and and the tracks are so tight yeah. you know uh yeah i'll stick on the 250 but definitely i'll i'll race the 450 on supercross before before i'm done i mean i'm young so i got a lot yeah, of yeah. years okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. and the way they're riding now you've got if you've got the dream and can make it work you've got time oh yeah for sure you've got time yep because that is that was one of my curiosities is you have your head on straight. You, you've got something that helps pay the bills. You're in a good area. You're you're training in good places. How long can it go for? You know that that's yeah. and and as long as you're covering the bills, you you don't want to be like what DB says, like you're wasting your time. David Dillon was very honest about that. He's like, well, I don't know what these guys are doing. They're not making any money. But if you're surviving and you're yeah, having you're, fun, yeah, if you're living a dream. Like the dream is not to. Of course, the dream is to get rich, but if you enjoy what you're doing, I mean, it doesn't really matter at that point. Yeah. If you survive, you know, you're you're literally living the dream without being rich. It's You still live the dream. Yeah, I think about it all the time. I mean, I can be sitting there, you know. I don't really scroll on Instagram or anything a whole lot, so I'll be sitting there going to the bathroom or something, and I'll hop on and look at real estate and stuff, and... Oh man, like I could so easily go get a job and be able to afford getting a house and start yeah. getting my life going and easily, you know, just have a family or whatever I wanted to do, you know, get a so nice truck. Does that does that supercross gate horizon <laughs> like outweigh all that? Like that feeling? One hundred percent. That's and that's what I figured. Like yeah, I, I would I would rather live in my van and Get to race a supercross every Saturday night and meet the fans and sign the autographs, yeah. then work a 40 hour job and live in a nice home because materialistic things just get old. Yeah, they don't matter. They, yeah, they just get old. That feeling is just that, that one autograph that you might have signed that night can change a kid's life. Oh, I yeah. Mean, versus you having nice cars and yeah. you know, nice houses. Yeah, knowing that people have signed jerseys of mine out there somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. They're probably sitting on somebody's shelf or hung up, you know, like yeah. in their room. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's mind-blowing. Yep. Yeah, so there's really like, you know, yeah, I could work and I could work and work and work and make loads of money. But as long as, and, and it's hard to say this because 
like if, if all my sponsors just dropped me today, I couldn't do what I'm doing. So I'm not making enough money to afford what I'm doing. But with the team I have around me and everything, and I'm getting to live my dream until I'm going to ride it until it's done. There ain't many riders that could lose all their sponsors and do this. Right. Like, yeah. There's no shame yeah. in saying that whatsoever yeah. because most of these guys are funded by their sponsors. Well, if I lost my sponsor, I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, would, I would also find I live inside anymore. You know? <laughs> I mean, if yeah. I lost my sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> they make a world of difference. Yeah. I mean, this it's a sponsorship sport. That, oh, yeah. There's no other way around it. Yeah. All right, so we made a night show. Yep. I know there's goals for the upcoming season. What is the realistic goal? Not I'm gonna go out and finish top five. Yeah. What's the realistic goal? Or maybe it is top five. I don't know your I don't know your progress. No, I mean, yeah, obviously oh, I could say the goal is to win because the goal is always to win. Yeah. But well, what is a win? What is a win? Oh, a win would be first place. But <laughs> a win to me yeah. would be I wanna make every night show. Okay. I wanna make every night show in 2024, Supercross, all, everyone that I do, um, and I actually have no problem with doing that. Um, that would be my first goal, and then second would be, I don't see any reason why I can't make a main uh, at some point in the season. I would really, really like to get in the main. And then I also, I haven't made a national yet. I haven't made the motos. I've only done two. I've only got the opportunity to do two, and I, I really want to make the motos too, because I think that qualifying is what I'm struggling with. I think I could do really, really good in the motos. I think I have the fitness and the speed to, to, to do really well in the motos. I'm just struggling with that one lap all out. You think, the nerve, you think the nerve set in? Yeah, the nerve set in. Qualifying. Yeah, and then you get pumped up and then it's hard to send it. You, know, yeah. you can't send it when you're all pumped up because you're yeah. just going to crash. And I'm not going to go hurt myself and be out for months. It's yeah. dumb. So. So have you, have you found any ways to combat that? Yeah, I have. Um, I actually recently have found that because that's something I've struggled with a lot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, honestly, you know, like, it's a lot of just in, in yourself, you know, you got to... He's hitting the call mat before he goes out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the headphones yeah. in and listen to yeah. the meditation. Well, it is. I mean, you just you got to find that deep breathing, that yeah. flow state in your mind and just relax, you know. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. You just gotta like, just relax. That's really as simple as it can be, you know? Do you do any visualiz visualization stuff? Easy for me to say. Yeah, I do actually. I did, um, I started that before I went to Loretta's. Okay. And uh, I actually started it before I went to my regional for Loretta's. And it was, like the difference that it made was unreal. Are you visualizing the track and Breakpoints and acceleration, or are you visualizing something else? Yeah, yeah, that. Oh, okay. Everything. So. Perfect lap. Basically, yep. what a perfect lap would be. Yep. Like, sit on my spin bike, I'll pull up the track map for the Supercross that weekend, and I'll just close my eyes and over and over and over of what needs to be done. The only thing that's tough, you know, is those Supercross tracks, when you look on a track map and then you show up, it's different. Yeah. They're much different. So then yeah. you've just visualized a whole lap of a track that's a lot different. But how much, speaking of that, how much time do you have from track walk to the first time you're on the track? Uh, if you're a group, the first group, not much. I mean, you got to hustle. And so it's kind of bummer because it's hard to get warmed up. Yeah. It's hard to have the time, um, especially when you're, you know, you're doing all your bike work and everything on your own. It, it's, 
I don't know the times exactly, but it's not a lot. I mean, you got to hustle. Like I don't really stick around for the chapel service or anything to go get geared up and get ready. So, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt that. No, you're good. Because I was wondering about that visualization. Like you, yeah, the track maps. We look at the track maps. I'm like, I can triple that. You go to the track, <laughs> and you're like, no, you triple on that. Yeah. So I, well, I understand. Well, um, I got to ride press day in Detroit this year, and that was that's cool. Huge. Yeah. Only bummer was all the other privateers in my class got to do it also. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of like leveled it out a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was huge for me. I had a pretty big crash that kind of like was on my mind for the rest of the weekend that kind of hosed me. But it was still huge for me to get to do it. Yeah. Um, but even even press day, like segueing off into that, if you guys want to, that was kind of yeah. tough. Uh, I had never rode my dirt bike at 5 a.m. Oh, before yeah, yeah. ever I slept in my van the night before I drove you know drove all the way from Florida to Detroit or no I'm sorry I drove from Indianapolis to Detroit after India I flew home and left my van at the airport okay and then flew back um, and drove got to Detroit late slept in the pits in my van and uh, yeah got up it's raining unload in the rain and then you know you're like i've got i was logging so i've got videos on my phone and you can just see i'm so tired you're just down there hoping to get a little bit more time on the track and you know you get you get your ride sessions in and you're done riding by 7 a.m it's the weirdest thing it's ever crazy and it's just so that they can get other news people down in there and yeah and so the factory guys can sleep in and go at two yeah yeah you yeah. see a ray teaching the lady how to ride a motorcycle and all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, I would say majority of the, the group that I got to go in, you know, everybody's privateers, they're kind of just there to see the track. Yeah, yeah. Like, could care less about the media. Yeah, yeah. And oh, for sure, for sure. I, I, there really wasn't a bunch of media there. It was more um, just the local news, like your 5 a.m. news channel. Yeah. They were probably just had a reporter talking, us riding in the background. That was really it, you know, and then, afternoon group comes and you know they interviews and yeah race direct none of those guys are even awake when we're out there no. i was kind of excited i'm like oh cool am i gonna get to like talk to jason wygant or any of those guys and pff, nobody's there he it's, probably hadn't even flown in yet no yeah definitely not <laughs> half those guys probably were flying in that morning for yeah. sure yeah. yeah so what's it like as a true amateur and people that watch this what is it like to come around a corner and hit a set of whoops and know that, okay, I gotta do this six, seven, eight times in the next six minutes. Yeah, I'm, I'm straight up, I'm not very good at whoops. I'm really like, I'm just not good at them. I, I should be, and I know I have the capability of how tall I am. I just haven't really got to learn and practice on a full-blown big set. But when it came to Salt Lake Night Show, I kind of just sent it and I did really well. I know how to hit whoops. I've, I guess I have learned like the technique of what I need to do. So I just like put all my emphasis into it. And yeah, it's scary, but it works. Yeah. And that was one thing all Supercross season that I would think about. And I'm like thinking in my mind, how in the world does does this like just work? I mean, you're you're hitting just a lot over top of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like how does it work? And faster you come in, the smoother it's going to be and the better you're off you are at the end. And then, you know, if you start getting sideways, you just, 
can't chop the throttle. So it just it's full commitment. Do you have a finger on the clutch? Or are you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just hold on. Because that is one thing that critique James on is that there was multiple crashes that he probably could have saved had he had a finger on the clutch. Yeah. And they're just amazed that he didn't. He's like, dude, I just hit the gas. Yeah. And sometimes he would hit the gas and go ass over tea kettle, but he, but you know, he was so fast on them. And watching Tomac this year a couple of times, they're like. Dude, I swear he was a second and a half faster going through the whoops than the other guy. Oh, yeah. And it's just a commitment thing. But, yeah, I think the, the clutch helps modulate. Like you said, you can't chop the throttle. But what do you do? You start going sideways. What do you do? A professional racer, you hit the whoops, you start kicking left, right. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're, you're thinking, oh, crap. <laughs> I mean, straight up. Because I'm not immortal or anything. I don't have, like, the – fancy suspension that you know all the other guys do it's like oh gosh i gotta just give it the gas and get out of here <laughs> straighten it back out and then you go around 37 seconds and you're back again <laughs> yeah. yeah and you gotta put that out of your mind yeah. and do it again for sure uh yeah whoops are tough i mean even like even when you're on a practice day and we're working on them it's like you go down and then you're like oh like i don't even want to work on these anymore you're just like it's just it's it's brutal and it's tough and it's really tough to get a run coming into them yeah. you know like being on a stock bike just yeah. to have the power to come out of a corner and come into them it's it's just tough um i mean it is a separator though it is a true separator yeah i think my personal opinion i mean and i don't really know what to say i don't even like want to get into it because i don't know what to say about these tracks we lost pretty much the whole entire 450 class this year, which was terrible for the yeah. sport. Absolutely terrible. Awesome random stuff too, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I, I think like, I think they need to have difficult difficulty. But I don't think they need to make it to where if you mess up, like you're gonna get hurt. We've, we've talked about this. Yeah. Like these, the the tracks are out of control. Yeah. They have gotten to the point that they're so peaky that. You can't screw up. Yeah, I mean, I think it should be where, like, difficult. Like, if you want a quad, that's going to be a lot faster. But not to where if you go for the quad and you case it, you're done. Yeah. Breaking both your ankles, you know, yeah. going over the bars. Like, you're just toast. Because, I mean, you can go back and watch the races. I mean, you can watch this, or even qualifying, you know, when they're sizing up jumps. Like, those, the top guys, you know, they can case stuff and they'll just bring them to a stop. Yeah. I mean, like, when you case something on, and you don't have that suspension, I guess. I mean, I don't want to make an excuse. Yeah, no, but I mean, something it's just has to give. Yeah. yeah. Something Yeah, has whether to it's give. in your legs. I mean, it all goes through the bike yeah. up into the body. It, yeah. I mean, it's energy, no matter how you look at it. That's so. where we would need Coach Ron to go through the mechanics of that for us, the <laughs> physical mechanics, because I've heard him discuss that before. But, yeah, the, body's, the body is the biggest shock absorber. Yeah. But, yeah, when you get kicked on a triple and you case it, I've cased little stuff in my woods, and boy, it hurts. I can't imagine be coming that high off the ground and casing something. You didn't ride at PAX, right? I did not. No. I didn't think. Yeah, I was taking that time off. That's right. So, like, CJ let another guy and I go out and ride because um, we kind of helped you guys out. And one of those big jumps I cased, and it went the whole way through my arms, and I, I felt miserable. I mm -hmm. feel like I was done. I've cased a lot in my life, but well, so there, there's a, there's a, actually like a way to case a jump. 
And I learned this a lot at Tyler Rattray's, and then I learned it even more with some guys at a WW Ranch. But there's a specific way to case a jump, and you, the very first thing is you just can't panic. Yeah, you no, cannot he's... panic, and you want to hit your front end first. Yeah, most people would think you'd hit your front end and it's gonna send yeah. you, but no. it just it just stops you. And if you hit front end high. It's gonna send you over the bars if you hit front end first. You know it'll just like stop you. Like even the worst of a case. I mean, some are gonna be unavoidable. Yeah, yeah. But like if you're if you can just like try to just stop. You know, like don't try to bounce because you bounce and get kicked. Like just try to like like yeah, it's gonna hurt and it's gonna suck. But if you can just nose it and stop, I mean you're probably better off. So to, to avoid strong injury. Yeah. Because if not, I mean the amount of energy that you're exerting to hit the jump and then to put it all into one cushioned area like yeah that's where you always see the worst of the worst i mean yeah it's always casing jumps yeah people wreck on big jumps and they get hurt but when they case a jump that's where you see a lot of these guys get yeah. just destroyed thank goodness we have the nets now because you hit the nets and you fly off into them instead yeah <laughs> bikes get wrapped up in them yeah so but no that's awesome i, I didn't realize that speaking of the casing there's a way to case I was watching something the other day from one of these trainer guys, and they were talking about learning how to fall and gymnastics abilities and learning yeah. how to roll yeah. when you're crashing and whether you're crunching the shoulders or you're flipping. And yeah. it's like, dude, I never thought about that. I, need to, I just need to go out in my dirt and like start doing somersaults and get used to rolling. Yeah. Yep. I think the big thing with that is just going to come down to flexibility. Yeah. Um, I mean more so than knowing how to roll because you can bounce and not break yes you're gonna be way better off yeah, yeah. so that's i've been battling i understand the injury I, I compressed my spine at an enduro two three months ago and i'm still not back on the bike but uh i didn't bounce i stopped immediately and the right side met the left side in the middle of my spine and uh, it's been a journey but i have been working on flexibility because I broke my helmet. I hit so hard I broke my helmet. And I run a good helmet. And um, the doctor's like, well, you have no damage on your right side. But the left side is beat to hell. And I'm like, yeah, everything stopped and just joined. Like when I landed on the right, everything came. And had I been able to bounce, I would have dissipated so much energy. But because I hit something solid, I just, like literally, you can see the video, I just stopped. Like, stop. Yeah. So... I think that is something that you guys talk to learn, go so fast and learn how to ride and be smooth and everything, but there is that ability of how can I lessen the damn, I'm gonna fall. Mm -hmm. You're gonna, if you don't fall, you're not going fast enough. Mm -hmm. I think is kind of the way it is. So how do you- Unless you're Jet Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. The faster you go, the more it looks like you're a, some kind of goddess I don't think there. he's fallen any moto. This, I don't, oh, yeah. falling I don't think no. he almost fell three times this week weekend and it looked like he saved it and smoothly went out he would be an incredible FTR racer right now he can just put his foot out and he stops an entire ring yeah. I mean it's it's ridiculous so how, how do you feel lining up with like guys like that or like being on a track with them it's I don't I don't really know it, it's like are you a jersey watcher or are you, or are you just like you're in your zone uh, I would say I'm a little bit of both. Um, I, I'm too nice. 
I learned that really early on in Supercross that I'm too nice, and so I changed that fast. Like if, if I was on a slow lap, or, or just like anything, like I would I would kind of ruin my own fast laps if somebody faster was coming up behind me. When if you're on your fast lap and they're coming behind you, make them you know go around. You yeah. Know? If it ruins their lap, they better though. That's yeah. an advantage for you. Yeah. 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 Who cares? Like. I'm just kind of too nice of a guy. I was in that sense, but uh, there's nothing wrong with being nice. Don't lose that aspect. No, I, I need to be nice outside of yeah, racing. But, it, but I, in that aspect, yeah, there's yeah. there's a, a fine line to draw. Yeah, but you still don't have to be mean on the track. You just have to be mean to protect your spot. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't. There's only been one time, and I apologize to the dude the next weekend. I cleaned the guy out. Don't know why. I fired up. <laughs> I wanted to make the pass, and I just cleaned us both out. <laughs> Down in Orlando, <laughs> you, know, you know the rule on that. If you yeah, if you, yeah. you crush them, you don't crush you. If yeah. you crush you, it didn't work. Yeah, and then he got up and beat me anyways. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. lesson learned. Oh, big time! I apologized to him the next race, and life went on. But uh, yeah, lining up. I mean, like you know, in one sense, it's like kind of unfair. Like you know, because I've always been on the stock bike, and it's like, oh my gosh, like it's just like. Incredible. I, you know, they say Time Master pulls on a stock bike, and I really don't know how much of that I believe because he's like right there on the start, and those bikes power wise are way different. So that I think there's got to be something. It's a lot of mapping too they can do. True. Yeah, and it could, but like I've never even had a bike mapped. Like I literally, literally roll up on a stock motor. Mo, you know, I may have a pro circuit exhaust, but a bone stock bike with the little clips on the side. Yeah. You know, white if it's sandy, green if it's a little bit, you know, whatever <laughs> it may be. Just bone stock. I mean, yeah, you're going to get pulled. Have you not some. met Dan Truman yet? I tried to reach out to Dan and I didn't get an answer back. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. We have a Florida pro here. Come yeah. On. Reach out. It's a. Uh, I don't really know, you know, lining up next to them, it's cool. It, it really is cool, but it's like you're, you, you kind of line up at my level at least, and the level I would say 90% of that 450 yeah. class isn't lined up to beat Jet Lawrence. They're lined up to beat, yeah. you know, Everybody, Time Master Pool, yeah, Nicoletti, some other guys. Yeah, yeah it's the, like the, the top. There, there's two races going on out there yeah. for sure, more than that. So well, it, I, it's cool lining up. I was talking about it, it was a. Uh, Millville, the battle between Frederick Norn and Jose Boutron, I was having so much fun watching that. There was nothing happening in the front. Yeah. But these two battling for ninth and tenth, this is a big deal for them. Yeah. It's a very big deal. Yeah. They're getting pressed. They're trying to get to the next race. Sponsors and, are getting. Yeah. They're getting coverage and they're having it all out. Well, it was a very European battle because there was a lot of sitting down and a lot of smooth lines and it was a very slow, fast battle. But yeah, there are multiple races, but those are the things we want to see. I, yes, I actually told him last podcast, dude, can we just put a camera on Jet? Because once he gets his lead, he turns into the largest, smoothest trail rider. I want to watch him bounce around the track. Mm -hmm. I think it would yeah, be Yeah, so they need fun. to have that Thor Battle Box 24 7 yes, to watch the battles and him. Yeah. Because I also don't want to see him go over the checkered flag every single moto when there's a battle going on. Yeah, that's, we need that's, to see it both. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see him ride because yes, we can't do it like him, 
But if I, at 50 years old, can go out and like, okay, well, he's smoothly, oh, look at that. He bounced off this bump into the corner. Well, at my speed, if I bounce off that bump, I'm going to be better. Yep. Yeah. Well, I want to watch that. Yeah. Because once he gets the lead, his riding completely goes to, the other day, he, last lap, he is cruising and put on two seconds. Yep. And it's like, if he's cruising that fast and still putting on two seconds, the rest of us can learn. We can't do it. But we can learn, be more erect, get in the middle of the bike. Because when I was young, you got, you put your sack on the tank and you set. Well, they're not doing that anymore. No, not at all. No, way different. Yeah, yeah. and you, I got, I have to learn that. Yep. And, and it's something I, my buddy that helps me, he's like, dude, why are you getting on the front of the bike? And I haven't had the heart to tell him because that's how I was taught. Mm-hmm. I understand we got to change, but it's a. I give up that foot of space, it's a very uncomfortable... See, I'm a firm believer in, like, I just ride how I ride. Yeah. I don't adjust anymore. I'm yeah. too old for that, for one. Yeah. But I just, I do what I what works for me. Yep. You know, I still feel fast when I ride, sometimes. It depends on how I feel that day, but, like, it, that that's worked for me for how many years? Sure, I didn't turn pro, but I've also broke every bone in my body at this point. But, like, it works, so I try to change it. It's going to evolve in the next 10 years again. Yeah. You know? And I'll be done by then. Yeah. Somebody else is going to come in and they're going to be riding. They'll probably go back to the way it was in the 90s or something. Yeah. yeah. Going. Like never revolving circle. What's yeah. your favorite surface? Sand. Sand. Big time. That's why I'm from Colorado. You're, you like sand? Yeah. Yeah. I love sand. We have, uh, uh, I don't know. We just have like, we don't have sand like full-blown sand tracks up there, but we do have a couple like just small sand pits and stuff. And I've just always been a sand guy. We had actually one sand track, I remember, but it got shut down when I was young. But yeah, I mean, I was a huge fan of uh, Orlando. And then they, you know, they we know they brought in that clay. I haven't been back, but like, I love crew. I just love the sand. I, I like letting my 450 eat big time. Yeah. So I love the sand. It's least awesome. favorite. I mean, if I'm on my dirt bike, I don't really mind. But so how would you have liked Washougal this weekend? Uh, that would probably be my least favorite. Like, I don't like just the rock hard, like, just hard pack tracks because it is so easy to have one slip up and then you're, you're, you know, you can get hurt. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can land and like the square edge holes and, and stuff like that. I guess that would be my least favorite. Just yeah. like the, the concrete type tracks. Because yeah. there are actually guys crazy. That actually like that stuff. Yeah. I don't know how you I don't know how you would I always picture riding that of like going down my street and yeah. turning around. I'm like, that's what it looks like. Yeah, they're not they're not comfortable. Like coming from PA that if if it wasn't raining or they didn't water the track, it's hard as a rock. And it's full of rocks too. Mm-hmm. So like on a hot day, it's literally like riding on concrete. You come into a rut and it's like slamming into concrete. Yeah. It's they are miserable. And when you land, it's like landing on you know, sloped concrete. Yeah, yeah. I rode, uh, I rode Wednesday, and it was um, like real muddy. Got some good ruts going, and then I rode again Saturday at the same place, and it hit all dried up, baked. Nobody had rode in between. It's just a private track, and uh, so it was pretty dry. I mean, there was some some good spots, but it was pretty dang dry. And uh, when you like. 
that's why it was hard for me to answer that question because when I can, like, f when you can find that flow, it, I don't care what I'm riding yeah, on. Yeah. I mean, even just out there, good. yeah, he had mowed the mowed around there, so there was like just grass everywhere. So it was, you know, just slick and yeah. just like couldn't even see the ruts. But when you start just flowing, you know, it's like put me on anything and I'll ride yeah. it. So yeah, I'm just curious because I know that people have their their favorites and their least favorites. Yeah, I like I like where you can you know you can charge into stuff and you know it's gonna hold like sand berms that aren't going to blow out. Like I just, that's what I enjoy. Like I want to go to Southwick so bad. Well, I figured um, like you would enjoy Southwick, Redbud, and Millville. Like yeah. That, that three yeah. groups of track you would really enjoy. Yeah. Maybe, and maybe, uh, not Redbud, what's the, uh, Bud's Creek. Yeah. 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 Wasn't able, I wanted, I was trying to get to do Southwick this year, but wasn't able to get up there. But, uh, yeah, those are, those are ones I want to go to for sure. So You ready for Daytona? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready for Daytona. That one was awesome this year. Sand isn't as fun uh, with uh, Supercross suspension. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still, um, that was still by, by far my favorite race this year. Uh, it was so much fun and I'm so ready for it next year. I wanted, that was probably the most disappointed I had been not making a night show. Uh, I was close and I had got, I got a lot of time on race day live. I got a full lap. I almost whole shotted the start on the qualifying. Like it was a great day, but that atmosphere, it's amazing. And, and, and then I wasn't on that gate. I was so bummed. Yeah, we, I was like, we're there every year. We yeah. never miss it. And hopefully we're there a little bit more this year than we anticipated. Yeah. But, um, yeah, hopefully I'm on the gate. Not hopefully, I'll be on the gate this no. year. <laughs> so, we'll come down and see. So what's the, talk a little bit about that, because they talk about the, the sand and the Supercross, and a lot of the riders, you get it from the top riders, they really don't like the sand and Supercross. If you go to Daytona, that's what you can expect. Mm -hmm. What is the difference? Is there something with the holdup? Does the bike just not feel secure under that suspension load? Yeah, it's like, it's like uh it's like riding moto you know this hand just gets kind of like rough and it's hard to i don't know it, i guess a way to explain it would be you know you come in with moto suspension you can lay it over in a sand corner but when you come in with supercross suspension you almost got to like emphasize that and lay it over even more because it's so much stiffer i just feel like it wants like it just wants to either you know, just like kind of pull you, it just like, just does kind of its own thing because yeah. it doesn't compress as much. It's yeah. just kind of like, you're right. It's almost like not riding in sand. Like it's almost, it's just so weird and hard to explain. It's like slick. Yeah. And then it's also different because they're just putting sand out there. Yeah. yeah it's just laying there. Yeah. It's just laying there. It's not like you're riding on sandy dirt, yeah. like actual sand terrain, you know? Um, I, I like it. I don't know why people complain about it. I think it's awesome. And I think it, I think it's kind of a safe separator as well, because I think Tomac's super good in the sand and then you get some other guys that might not be as yeah. good. Um, Especially if you get a good drive through it and it has multiple lines. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, I mean, that was in Tampa a couple of years ago. The sand was awesome. And then they put it in the corner this year with the straightaway. That was, that was cool. Like where they were jumping and yeah, that was, that was, that was a lot more. I enjoyed that this year, the sand there. Yeah, and then, like, I don't know if you guys could tell on TV, but even at Daytona and Tampa, those straightaways with the sand and the rollers, it, it's not like what one might think or, like, 
Kroom, if you guys have been where there's rollers and you can just kind of like fade. It's a full-on rut the whole entire yeah. length of the straightaway. It is like insane balance. It's super tough. And, and you guys are jumping into it. Yeah, you're jumping That's into crazy. it. Well, and then at um, uh, Daytona and Tampa, I guess, the sand was the straightaway and into the corner. So the big thing was, you know, you jump into it and you're pinned, you're yeah. leaning back, and then you gotta like break. I mean, I guess you, you don't have to break, you can just like kind of let off and it'll break for you, but to slow down in that sand, you know, the front end starts swirling. It, it's, it was it's awesome. Tough. We went for qualifying this year and it was awesome watching guys go through the sand or skip it because yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go through the whoops and I'll skip the sand to get ready for my hot lap. And guys come into the corner and they would literally just stop and I'm like, that's not how that works. Yeah. Like, I don't know a lot of stuff, but I know because a lot of the stuff we do is on the sand. It's like, no, 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 just, just keep going. Don't, no, don't, don't, don't do that. Yeah. Like, and they would literally just like stop. And I, I remember a couple of guys like literally stopped so hard they ended. And it's like, hmm, I'm not good. And there was no way I'm ever beating any of you. But I really feel like I can get to the sand a little easier than you. Yeah, the, the momentum is the key. Yeah. yeah, to keep that momentum up and get a drive, especially in the 250s, yeah. you know, to get a drive coming out of the corner through the straightaway, or like at Tampa where they had like, I think we jumped into the sand big time, yes. but to land and not just get stopped, yeah. you know, to keep driving forward was huge. I think so, it was, uh, was it Tom, Tom Vial? He either crashed in the corner or he landed and just stopped. Like, and he was- Tom, yeah, yeah, because yeah. we, we literally, that's where we were sitting, right where that happened. <laughs> we were up in that, the roof section there, yeah. whatever they call it. Yeah. But, uh, we were right by, right by that, he got ate up. Well, yeah. I don't know how long we're going to go on, but we do need to, two hours? We need to cover your sponsors. Who, who, who helps you do this? Who's helping you live the dream? Oh, well, my dad and my brother, uh, and that's months next grading back home, uh, Colorado. So my whole family stayed there. I moved down here by myself. So them there, that them there definitely not welcome to Florida you, well you can tell I was homeschooled uh, definitely <laughs> that's what happens when you get through school in four months huh? yeah them there they sponsor me good them there folks back in Colorado <laughs> we came with the gold rush yeah yeah but no them and uh, uh, Complete Racing Solutions Coach Rob he helps me out a ton um, iCryo here in St. John's Florida they help me out the feed um Kyle Helton, Distinguished Radiant Heating, he helps me out a lot. Uh, Jared, back home in Colorado, uh, Greater Grounds Landscaping, he helps me out a ton. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can just keep going. I, I uh, haven't fully announced yet, but help get, getting some help from uh, Deep South Kawasaki, so that'll be cool to be kind of with them. Where are they based out of? Uh, Georgia. You said they're in Georgia, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, who am I forgetting that? It's really it. I don't really have a huge group. I mean, I have like, uh, you know, Works Connection, you know, some of those people, some of those guys help me out. We've got Dutch Racing, all of them on board, but myself, my family, my dad, my brother, we just kind of, you know, make it happen, enjoy going to the races. And on the full factory stuff with uh, Moto E, it's Moto E, is it Moto E? Complete Racing Solutions, so he rebranded. Oh, okay, so it's just Complete Racing. What what gear are you guys wearing? Is it private label or? Uh, it's teed up, so that brand's actually out of Australia. Okay. Um, we brought it into the United States, so um, Todd Waters. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He's the owner, yeah. and um, he's brought it over. So 
teed up, you know, with the gear. This huge, um, pretty awesome gear. I run a ride. Okay. Um, the team does have a deal with 6D, but I'm more comfortable on a ride, so I stick with that. Uh, we've got fist racing hand gloves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are Australian as well too. I believe so. Yeah. Yep, something like that. But they're amazing. I really like the gloves. Um, and once again, like I'm not just saying that because I get them for free. I really enjoy the gloves. Some oh, I've, heard, I've heard really good things about them. Yeah, they're really good. Um, ah, man, I'm just trying to try boots. To, what boots? I don't get any help with boots, so I'm not even going to name any companies. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Don't, don't fault that at all. Yeah, uh, and then like I said, you know, some some other companies like like you know you get help from them, but I I just kind of feel like it's like the same help as. Yeah. Like, you know, and then you can reach out to them personally and you don't get a response. You can just kind of like, you only get the, the normal, like, uh, customer support that's, yeah. you know, the 50% off code that every other Joe Blow has got. <laughs> and, I feel like for the landscaping guy, I feel like you two should come up with a really cool marketing strategy. Maybe you could do like some trenching and look, you know, when, it, when you have some erosion, we can come in and... Like you could do something with the dirt bike and the yeah. and landscaping. Well, I'm pumped that um, Distinguished Radiant and Greater Grounds Landscaping, that they're both still helping me out being down in Florida because they're small, privately owned Colorado businesses. Okay. So social media has been huge for me because I can still promote them from clear out here yeah. to people, you know. That's um, the biggest thing nowadays is there's, there's so many ways to market. Yeah. You can still help guys that, that are what, 2,000 miles away? Yeah. Ish. Yeah. 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 So then I can, but then it's also very grateful I've got a bike there. So I can, you know, talk to my dad. If we can, you know, hop on a flight up there, I can race locally, you know, still do some stuff up there and promote promote them, you know, at, at some local races up there. That's um, awesome. Which is, yeah, super awesome. I guess the last sponsor would be uh, my girlfriend's special shout out. So she <laughs> helps me out a ton. And that's the tough role. At some point, I want to have... She's like, got the toughest role. I want to have a writer wife. Like we've had our wives on talking about being moto moms and motor, like amateur moto wives. But I want to talk to some of these wives that are living the life, mm -hmm. whether that's driving in a van, taking time off to go to Supercrosses, or you're on the road, man, I hope he's okay. What's he oh, doing? yeah. Holding the home front down. Yeah, I mean, even... The simple fact of me uh, training, going yeah. for a road bike ride. Yeah. I, I know she she probably hates it. Um, I love it, and I'm gonna go for a road bike ride. But I know she's gotta be like, you know, you just worry, like especially down, especially in Florida. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, for sure. I mean, she's got the the toughest role. I mean, mm -hmm. I go to bed pretty dang early on a Friday and Saturday night when I'm sure she wouldn't mind going to a concert or going hang out you know at the beach or going to do stuff but you know when there's priorities and I put that first and she never complains she's always there for it so that's awesome yeah it's a it's a it's a tough role for her to be in but I'm grateful so yeah. and you're, you, you seem truly appreciative of it which is something that you know is commendable yeah because I don't think you know I think so many people myself included I mean it, it's so easy to be selfish well you have to be yeah exactly and, and she's, you know, like everybody is selfish. She is in her own way. And then, but she's not in the way of like our relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? She enjoys going to these super crosses and she enjoys like she's, and she just has made 
made it part of her life. Like she's just accepted it and really enjoys it and does her own thing, you know, with getting outfits and, you know, we're just doing that kind of stuff that girls like to do and she's made it be her own thing. So it's pretty awesome. It's good. Awesome. The new shoes and all that. I, I wish I could do that, have cool outfits coming into races, but. <laughs> does, she, does she have track walk shoes and regular shoes? No, she doesn't want any part of track walk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. She'll, she'll wash from the stands. Doesn't want to see what happens out there? No, she'll stay out of the mud. Yeah. She's just got the nice Nike, you know, the dunks and, mm -hmm. and all that for, for the stadium. <laughs> all right, so 2024 East Coast Supercross? Yep. We going to try to cross or continue the fair race? Uh, for this year yeah. or for next year? I'll probably not do any motocross this year because everything's full. So I mean next year. Oh, next year, yeah. I'm going to try to do all 12 okay. outdoor rounds. Okay. I may even, depending on how this year goes, do some West Coast 450 on the 250. Okay. Um, and then depending on how Supercross goes, I may stick in the same class for outdoors, the 250 class, because I'd like to get into that super motocross thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to take my goals one at a time. So got to start getting in the show and get the points before I can worry about that. So A few years ago, Brooks Kepka, I think it was Brooks Kepka, he posted his on his iPhone his goals that he had written down at the beginning of the year on his iPhone. The date, timestamp, everything. And he hit the one almost to win the US Open. And it was like, okay. And I'm sure you and Coach Rob have talked about goal setting and that kind of stuff. And it's amazing what will happen if you put that in front of you every single day. Mm -hmm. what, you'll, what you'll see. Yeah. And, uh, I look forward to it. This is the first time we've had Motodad, we've had business people, we've had uh, fellow racers. FCA. So. We had a track owner. We've had SCA to actually have a pro rider and like pick brains. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That, this was fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I first time I really ever gotten to open up about my story and stuff, so it was amazing. We're happy you can share. And we'll I think maybe come mid Supercross season we'll we'll sit down with you again. We'll yeah, that'd be cool. See how the season's going. And, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, maybe we'll do it. Maybe maybe even. Daytona, we can cover your day or something. Yeah, 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 that'd be awesome. We can dive more into other things. I mean, what a, should we what just sit here for forever? Actually, like, oh yeah, like I could do this all day yeah. long. Yeah, dive into the training part and yeah. eating all of it. That part is that part to me is so the business side of it. The how you get there. I love logistics. Like uh, I love racing logistics and how you get stuff to and from life logistics regarding racing. I think all that stuff is just so cool. Derek and I. We'll have our own podcast during the week while we're just chit-chatting. And it's like, dude, we should just start one of these. So we did. And now we just get to talk to other people about it. And it's fun. And I would love to, at some point, do another one. Like, maybe towards the beginning of, like, right before season. Like, hey, what's it look like? How you feeling? Like, yeah. what's training look like? Yeah. Hey, that. And then do one, like you said, Daytona or something else. And, like, go and be in the background and just say, like, okay, this is what's happening. And then maybe on a Friday night or Saturday night after the, hey, let's talk about it. What was it like? What'd you see? And yeah. we're very simple. I mean, as you can tell, our setup is very simple, but we, we feel like we cover what people say. Yeah, what people don't. I, we, yeah. I like to dig into, like you said, you were happy to open up. Yeah. How many people give you the option to open up? You know right. what I mean? So that's, that's something that we strive to, to promote. You know? Yeah, and you don't got to have anything fancy. I mean, no. Majority of the, like like you said, there's a lot of people in the United States that ride. 
yeah. probably just looking for, you know, the true, true racers and stuff. I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, I mean, you can listen to Pulp and Mech show and a lot of that stuff, but true, you know, real raw realities yeah. are, I mean, you got to find stuff like this. So yeah. Yeah. there's, there's, here there's more of you guys doing this than there are Chase Sexton guys doing this. Oh yeah. And, and I say that with the most honor for those guys that they, they are the epitome of what it is. I mean, the IndyCar race this weekend, there was a guy that finished 28th. He was still in the IndyCar race, but he finished 28th. Mm -hmm. and guess what? He was there. Mm -hmm. and, and it's cool. Like he's getting to do it. Yeah. There's different levels of this. Yeah. I mean, same with the Tour de France. Yeah. How you look at it. Somebody placed 160th. There was a dome, there's dome mistakes that we don't even see. Yep. And they're literally, here's your food. Oh, okay. You need water. I got you water. <laughs> yeah. And they're riding the same race, but their job is completely different. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. But it sounds like yeah. you've got a good support team. Definitely. Yep. Definitely grateful for everything I got. So hope you're going to head over to iCryo as soon as we're done. <laughs> Get ready for another yeah. training week. Very good. Well, if there's anything that we can do to help promote you or talk about or let us know you can shoot Derek. If it wasn't for Derek, this would not have happened today. I got to give all the props to Derek, but um, if there's anything that we can do, let us know. This is, this is kind of up our wheelhouse. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it after. But um, yeah, Thank you guys for driving all the way up here. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure to have you here. I'm glad that you got to open up. I'm glad that yeah. people can hear what you guys do. Um, and it was, it was a good drive up. So yeah. Yeah. this this is this was fun for me. Yeah. Um, because I like like Derek said, I'll reiterate the opening up and just saying like, hey, this is a normal life. Like, dude, I, I you're so human. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a human guy. Oh yeah. And and I train I train my butt off, and this is what I do. Yeah. Last thing I guess I would say is it's it's pretty easy to fall into the um, you know when you start racing professionally like oh I'm better like yeah. like. I don't need to go race a Florida series race. Like, yeah. I'm too good for that. I'm not. Like, I'll go there. I'll be best buds. Like, I'm gonna congratulate you if you won the C class because that's a big accomplishment for that kid. Yeah. I remember winning the C class, and it was the best feeling I had. That's like, the I thing. Like, you started there too. Yeah. And I, that's the one thing that I, I do. Like, there's a lot of the professionals that do get that mentality, and I can't stand it. Yeah. Because like you're my, not you're no better than like my kid just got his first win last weekend, and that kid is still smiling about it. Mm -hmm. Like, but they look up to these other guys that are literally like, you know, and it, it drives me crazy. And I'm I'm happy to hear that you know I'm glad that you're still like that. Oh yeah. And it, to hear that you know you can still congratulate these guys is like don't lose that, don't yeah. ever lose that because that's that's very important to me anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, I think a lot of guys do that because they're afraid to go to a local race and lose. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, well, how, how can you race professionals on the professional circuit if you can't even win a local race? Well, that's not reality. You know what I mean? You're not going to win every race. No. I went to North Florida and raced, and there was some dude on a two-stroke, super fast. I beat him off our motos, thankfully. But just fast guys. I mean, there's just yeah. local guys that are always going to be fast. Yeah, I just when you're a racer, I think you're just a racer. So motocross racers don't they don't they don't get out from many other sports. Go NASCAR. NASCAR does this a lot. Their guys will go race late models. 
dirt cars. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They don't win all the time. No. Yeah. Because in those series, there are guys that race at Hickory Motor Speedway every Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. They go there and they're one. Yeah, they're fast. They're in good equipment, but they're not going to always win because it's not what they do. Mm-hmm. Well, for one, like they they know the tracks, but yeah. But that's not just it. Like not everybody has the opportunities that you have, or like I'm giving my child to succeed. Mm-hmm. Sure that. They might have professional speed, but there's a there's a lot more than just that racing that goes in you know, yeah, goes yeah. into that. Yeah, no nobody knows that you know that North Florida race. Nobody knows what I did Saturday yeah. before the race. I mean, the dude that, on the two stroke that was right behind me could have been fully rested, fully recovered, ready to go for that race day. And I had a hard training day Saturday. No, nobody knows, you know that I came in and I'm yeah. tired and I'm just like kind of worn out from the week or whatever. I wasn't, but whatever it may have been, nobody knows that all they see is where you come across that checkered flag. Yep. That's all that that's matters. it. Yep. They, they don't see any of the behind the scenes at all. And the so. fact that you understand that, because Coach Rob is massive about periodization yep. and having you ready for certain times. I know. And, yeah. and he, he'll be the first to tell you, I don't care if you race good right now. Yeah. Because we're working on this. Yeah. I need you ready here. He needs you ready in January. If you go out right now and you're like, hey, I want you to stand up the whole track and that means you finish third, guess what? You're probably not going to win. But you're working on XYZ. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so fired up today to get back training, but I have one more week, like you said, periodization to just kind of like take it a little easy. <laughs> yeah. I want to go full at it. But yeah, I'll text him, bummed that I didn't win or something. Like, honestly, he doesn't even respond to that because he doesn't care. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter to no. him. Like Big picture. Yeah, it's all big picture. Yeah. So so that's awesome. But, yeah, awesome. And congratulations. There are guys that don't want to be pro that are good. Yeah. And there are guys that are really good that can't be pro. Mm-hmm. And then there's guys that just, that's their home base, and, boy, they can rip. Yep. Southwick does it every year. Yeah. There are guys that, that don't Candy. race. Yep. Yeah. Dude, two top ten. Oh, come on. Like, that's not, shouldn't even be possible. Mm-hmm. But that's his base. Yeah. He lives there. Yeah. Bubba kept telling us that. Yeah. I guess we can't call him Bubba anymore, James. Dad. Yeah. I disagree. He was Bubba. He was Bubba. <laughs> he, he was still Bubba, Bubba. Bubba. when I was growing up. So, but, uh, yeah, we'll do it again. Yeah. Uh, we'll do a recap. And like I said, I just just keep, keep going. I just keep talking. I know. I know. <laughs> got to just end it. That's, that's, it gets to the point where we got to end it. So thank you for being on here today. Um, like I said, we'll do a recap here. Probably, maybe before Supercross even. Yeah. yeah. See what's to it. See what it's going to look we'll like. See how the, we'll see how the Coach Rob training is going. Sounds good. And uh, for Derek Schaefer, for Rylan Munson, I'm Trey Geith. Thank you for the conference space. It was a beautiful drive up. It's a wonderful place to live. Congratulations on all the success and the future success. And uh, this is episode 20 of the Beyond the Curve, the MX podcast, which I don't even think I introduced that at the beginning. That's all right. But uh, we want to thank you all, and thank you, Rylan, for joining us. And Derek, take us home. It's been a great one. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you, Rylan. Thank you, Trey. Have a good one. Bye-bye. See you.